Welcome to the Fight Podcast. I'm Ken Rideout, joined in studio by legendary boxing personality Teddy Atlas. Teddy, before we dive in, why don't you share with the listeners why, what led you to create this podcast? You know, I think it was a combination of, uh, believe it or not, people coming to me and saying that there might be some interest in it. I might actually be able to um, give people a reason to listen. I And I, I say that carefully and very cautiously because I don't know if I give any people a damn reason to listen to me. But um, I would hope that uh, through my years of working that uh, maybe, you know, maybe some people find me interesting, uh, my thoughts interesting, and maybe more importantly, what I'm attached to, the sport of boxing that's been around a lot longer than any of us. You know, it's been around longer than any sport there is. Uh, Whether you trace it and you track it for 200 years or you could even go further back, depending on... uh, what your abilities to track it are, you know, you go back to the Greeks and you wherever, but it's been around longer than baseball, which is obviously known as our national pastime. It's been around longer than anything. And for me, boxing is life and life is important, you know, and how you get through it is kind of important and like it or not, that's what I'm attached to. It's, you know, I hate to use such a fancy word as it's a metaphor for life. It's been used too many times, but it is. It's for me. Uh, it is life. Uh, and it takes you to different places, you know. So for me, boxing's an entry point to discuss daily stuff. You know, I'm not going to curse, so I'm not going to say daily because maybe that, maybe that, maybe that gets people's attention. Maybe that's why they're listening to the first podcast. I hope not, but um, you know, if it scares you or if it raises your blood pressure, you know, it's probably something worth talking about. Okay. And sometimes things in life and boxing connected uh, can intrigue you in those kind of ways. And it's about facing things. That's what boxing is. It's about facing things. You know how many people watch fights because in some ways they wish they could face some of the things that the fighters face? In some way, in just some dimensional way, they really do. You know how many guys walk down in, in a office, you know, it doesn't have to be sports. They walk down in an office and they walk down the hallway and they go to the water fountain and they get their freaking head in the water fountain for freaking 10 minutes. What what are they, a camel? <laughs> no, they're not that thirsty. They're hiding. They're avoiding somebody coming down the hallway that they don't want to see. Really? <laughs> I agree. <laughs> that they don't want to confront a boss, someone that maybe they should deal with. Maybe it would get them that raise that their wife is kicking their backside over, you know, or, or whatever it is that they got to get off their chest to move forward in life. Maybe they should... Be ready for the fight a little better. Maybe they should be fighting instead of submitting. <laughs> really? Because that's them laying on the canvas. Yep. For me, that's them laying on the freaking canvas. So, listen, that's all I got to offer. I'm sorry. I hope that that's enough. And I hope that it is for people to understand that, you know, uh, good or bad, I understand that stuff. And for me, there's dots all around us, right? This is a way to connect those dots to people, to use the sport that I've spent my whole life in, to connect dots in different ways, to have conversation, to maybe even 
let some people get helped. And I'm very careful saying that because I I don't know. I don't, I never want to feel like I'm saying something where I'm giving myself a pat or anything. But, you know, if I have been successful in life, it's been as a parent, which I'm very grateful for. I have two beautiful children and a great wife. And it's been in the boxing business where I've been able to help guys get to a certain place. And that means getting through certain things. That means seeing certain things that maybe they didn't see before. Understanding and dealing with things that they weren't understanding and dealing with before. And that, I would hope that maybe we can bring to this broadcast. I'm not saying we're Dr. Brothers. <laughs> All right? Not saying that. But I'm saying that hopefully people will listen to us and say, you know what, I learned something. You know what, that makes sense. You know what? The next time I watch a fight, I can watch a fight and see it a little bit better, a little clearer. Or maybe the next time I freaking walk down the hallway, I won't keep my mouth in a freaking water fountain for <laughs> 10 minutes. That's it. That's my story. I heard you say once before that um, you're not really a fighter until you've faced adversity and overcome adversity in the ring. And you're not really a lawyer until you've tried a case. And I think about that often when I'm dealing with adversity in my own life or whether it's getting up to train in the morning or whatever the case may be. I, I, I often think about that comment because it rings true. When you're facing adversity, like what are you going to do? Because you face adversity in different areas of your life every day. You know, let's take boxing. I, I know a little bit about that, right? I'm... That's kind of why I'm sitting in this Don chair. Um, it starts there, all right? So for me, uh, to kind of go over your words, it's not a fight until there is some to overcome, until there is pressure, until there is, whether it's adversity in that form of whatever it is, but something to overcome. If, if For me, I don't need Webster's Dictionary, all right? I'm not trying to say, you know, I didn't go to college for nothing, but I, I learned some things in life. And for me, I don't think I need Webster's to tell me what the definition of a fight is. I don't know what Webster's de definition is. Maybe I'll look it up after we're done the show and, and I'll see what it actually says. It could be interesting. And I say that in a, in a, in a serious way, not, not trying to be funny. But for me, the definition should be overcoming, finding a way. That's, that's, for me, that's what a fight is. And it doesn't have to be relegated to inside the ropes. It's like I said earlier, it's whatever your fight is, whatever it is, you're trying to find a way to get through. And as a father, as a husband, as a man, as a, as a worker, as a kid, whatever it is. And, um, so, for me, that fight doesn't start until there is something to deal with. Doesn't start until there is pressure. Doesn't start until there is something, as we said just a moment ago, to defeat, to, to overcome. Um, and for me, before that, it's an exhibition. It's if it's in boxing or if it's in sports, it's an athletic um, sort of exhibition uh, display. It's you know anything about karate? I took bit. karate a little bit when I was a kid, and 
the shadow boxing in karate was called kata. It was, it's kind of like what, if you saw the karate kid where you wear the guy Machio, whatever that kid's name was, he was, ah, ah, you know, and, and he was doing all the form and, and Mr. Biagi. <laughs> Miyagi. Was, yeah, Biagi, whatever his name. <laughs> right? I mean, I'm not yeah, 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 yeah. I'm just saying yeah, yeah. I mean, my name. He, he was having him do all the form and, yep. you know, going through the, the, the subconscious stuff and, and, you know, make believe you're blocking things. And to me, Everything is kata and shadow boxing until the devil knocks at the door. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> Everything, that's what it is. It's Mr. Biagi saying, oh, Daniel, uh, wax on, wax off. Now, that stuff, that, that technical stuff, I'm not making fun of it. We're doing it in a fun way. But that's necessary. Mm-hmm. But the application of it doesn't happen. Until the devil knocks at the door, whatever that devil represents, whoever that devil may be. I often tell people it's easy to look good when you're winning a fight and, 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 and soundly beating a guy, whether it's a fight or, or a metaphor for life. But how do you look when you've been knocked down once or twice? Are you the guy like uh, Tyson Fury? Are you going to get off the canvas when you look like you're dead and get up before the 10 count and come back strong and win the rest of the round? Or are you just going to like you wanna take go the deeper? easy way? You want to go deeper? Yeah. Tyson Fury... I've been in the business 40 years, so maybe I can say some of these things that, hey, everyone can argue with me. That's that's the beauty of this. It's the beauty of America, mm-hmm. right? Everything. But maybe he was laying there thinking about what he was going to do. Yeah. Hey, listen, all that matters is what he did. That's he all did. that matters. He got up. All that fought. matters is what he did. But if he didn't get up, if he laid there a second longer, that's what would have mattered. He made up his mind. I think there's a good chance that because people, some people never saw that before. I've seen it, hmm. but some people have never saw it. And and I'm not saying it's something you see too often, but some people say, "My God, my God, how extraordinary!" And it was. I get it. it got your attention. You know, it was like David Copperfield making somebody boof disappear. Like whoa! Like where'd that guy? <laughs> wow! But you know. They think that all of a sudden, oh my God, some extraordinary, he, he suddenly was out and he's, and he's not out. No, he was never quite out because if he was out, he would have been out. Yep. <laughs> so he was, you know, maybe thinking about whether or not it was worth getting up. And he got up and that's all that matters. But... I'm saying this for people out there. This is my way of connecting the dots to you that maybe this could be the value of this podcast is that I'm saying to you that when you've gone through things in your life where you've thought about not getting up, there's still time to get up. That's what I'm trying to say to you, that that you are not in a sol- solitary universe where only you have felt that way. Prize fighters have felt that way. And if you can understand that for me, that prize fighters have felt that way, maybe, maybe, then you can understand that it doesn't make you weaker than other people, doesn't make you less than other people, that you're in the same place as other people, even prize fighters, even prize fighters who you look up to, who do that for a living, who you thought you could never behave like or deal with the things they deal with, that, yeah, you can, that you don't feel any different than they feel. And maybe if I just do that one thing and get that across to people, 
that that's the truth in life, that you're not the only one who feels that way. Even these gladiators feel that way. But all that matters is what you do in the end, and you have the ability to do the same thing. That thinking about not getting up is not the end of it. That is not the end of it. That's not the prison sentence. Getting up or not getting up is. Um, and that leads us into the uh, outline for the show. So basically what we're going to talk about is some of the recent uh, higher profile fights. And then we'll get into some of the upcoming big fights that have our attention. Um, but let's talk first about the Fury-Wilder fight in more technical terms. I mean, the, what Fury did was unbelievable, obviously. And uh, I think that that fight really had big implications in the heavyweight division. Uh, going into that fight, I thought, you know, Joshua was calling the shots, waiting for the winner. And lo and behold, we have a draw, which in and, is, in and of itself was controversial. And I'd be curious to hear your thoughts because I have my own opinions, but I'd like to hear yours first. Um, what were your key takeaways on the fight? And uh, how do you think it leaves Joshua? What do you think comes next for these guys? Who wins the rematch, etc.? Well, I'm glad that we don't have to wait like to our second podcast to disagree with you. <laughs> Let's get that out of the way. <laughs> Bang. Out of the way. All right. I will politely and respectfully disagree with you that Mr. Fury did something extraordinary. He boxed. He did what boxers are supposed to do. <laughs> and Wilder is the one that's doing something unextraordinary other than punching. Yeah. He's throwing punches from left field, from North Pole, from South Central, from, I, I, I mean, from, from behind you. He's throwing punches from all kinds of places, exposing himself, falling down, getting out of position, all the things that uh, the sweet signs were not meant to be. Okay, am I trying to? Did I come here to knock water? No, I came here to tell the truth, mm -hmm. to give an honest podcast. All right. So, if anything, what did Fury do at the top of the list of things that he didn't that night in the ring? He exposed Wilder. Yeah, top of the list, number one, one. He exposed him. He exposed the guy that he ain't that good. He can punch like heck. And I've said it many times: punches are not made; they are born. He was born with power to punch. He got the, he's got Thor's hammer in his right hand. You know, Igamar Johansson had one. You know, Ernie Shavers had one, right? It could go down a list. The great Joe Lewis, he had it in both hands. And he didn't expose himself. And if he hurt you, he got rid of you. And he was always in position. He was never out of bounds. But we'll leave that for another time. But what I'm saying is that is what you try to aspire towards being able to punch and still be in position and still be able to conduct the sweet science the way it was meant to be conducted. So I would say no. Fury didn't do anything extraordinary. He did what a good boxer is supposed to do. He slipped punches. He made a miss. He counted. He did what a well-taught boxer is supposed to do. And what a guy with less talent, less physical, athletic ability than Wilder had to do to make up for the disparity, to close the gap. Because he wasn't going to match him with other things physically. And that's the great thing about boxing. That's the great thing. Again, that's the great thing. It reminds you in life that you don't have to be born with the biggest brain. <laughs> no, really. I mean it. You don't have to be born, you know, a six foot five. You don't have to be born with the greatest physique or the greatest looks or any of those things. There's always a way to close the gap. 
It's called hard work. It's called learning. It's called, you know, going shopping down the aisle of one of those great grocery stores that, you know, where you go and you you say, okay, in this aisle, I'm going to get some determination. This one, I'm going to collect some work ethic. This one, I'm going to collect discipline. This one, I'm going to collect dreams, the ability to dream. That Those things, those things can make up for the lacking of the other things that, as I said with the puncher, you're either born with or you're not. And that's the great thing of boxing. It can remind you. If you look at it that way, it can remind everyone out there. And I'm going to remind them that, yeah... <laughs> There's hope for everyone that there's a reason why there's guys that that don't run the fastest, don't jump the highest, aren't the strongest, aren't the biggest, aren't the prettiest, you know, aren't the top of the class, didn't graduate college necessarily, but they're masters. They're masters. They become masters in some universe because there were other things that they could go and shop for and find. And Fury showed that. He reminded us of that. You know, yeah, he didn't have power. He's not a puncher, you know, even for a big, giant behemoth that he was. Another reason why you don't judge a book by the cover. But, no, he's not a puncher. But he made up for it by being slick, by being smart, by taking away the punch or the ability to land the punch from Wilder, except for two times. <laughs> I, was su- I was surprised how well Fury moved for being that big. And I was also surprised, like you said, at how wild Fury was getting with some of these punches. It was like a re- it was happening on a regular basis and Fury was staying steady. I mean, he got hit once behind the ear on the knockdown, the first knockdown. But that second knockdown, like you said, I mean, he he went down, his head snapped back. I didn't think he was getting up. I don't think Wilder thought he was getting up. <laughs> the only person who probably thought he was getting up was Fury. And it was, uh, man, it was impactful. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And and again, I'll say that it that fight served to expose Wilder to people that hadn't seen it or hadn't wanted to see it yet, because there were other fights where he showed that, you know, his technique was uh not in the upper echelons, will you say, or might I say, of technique uh people. But you know, it just I think that it just further drove home the point that there's not a lot of great heavyweights out there. There's, you know, I mean, there's a great puncher in him. And is Joshua great? No, I don't think he's great. Is he more polished than Wilder? Yeah. You know, does he put a lot of fannies in his seats over in London? Yeah. Is he a gold medalist from the Olympics? Yeah. But are we in the era of great heavyweights? No. No. Because... You know, again, you have a guy like Fury who had been off for a couple years, had had basically a nervous breakdown, had been involved in drugs and alcohol, all kinds of problems, and he came this close to being heavyweight champ. So, yeah, we're not around in the days. I think it was partly a reminder of that. I'm sorry if I kind of opened up the shades and... Let some of the light in where people didn't want that light to come in. But no, we're not around with Ali and Frazier and Foreman and, you know, a whole bunch of other guys. You know, no, we're not around, you know, during the era of even Holyfield and Lewis and, and Tyson, obviously, and all those guys. No, we're not. 
I think that's highlighted by the fact that Joshua's on the outside looking in now as those guys are preparing for a rematch. Who is even going to fight Joshua? Who does anyone? I mean, Fury could, uh, I'm sorry, Joshua could sell out probably Wembley Stadium fighting a mop. But who's going to step in there and challenge him? They, I saw them talking about uh, Stavern might go in there and fight him. I mean, Fury almost killed him in the last fight. I don't even see who Joshua could realistically challenge. That would be interesting. See what you just said? You said you, you let the, you let the, what do you call it, out of the bank. Yeah, really. Without even realizing it. You said he could fight a what? A monk, you said? or A, a, a mop. A mop? Okay. I thought it was a monk. A, a monk could be a mop. I mean, they're sure. quiet. Yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, I appreciate what they do and, and the way they live their lives. Don't get me wrong. But, I mean, they're quiet. And, you know, so we could use that metaphor for a second. I can understand. Or a doorman. Or, or you know, me. anybody who shouldn't be in the ring. Uh, or you wouldn't think of being in the ring, you know, to fight for a heavyweight title. He can do it because... Uh, London doesn't have LeBron James, you know, it doesn't have Stephon Curry, you know, it doesn't have Tom Brady. I could go on and on. It has, uh, great Tom Brady. Yeah. I, it has, I think Tom's always great, but it has, it has soccer, snooker. I don't want to get into it too heavy here because that <laughs> don't can forget take, darts. That can take a little while to. It has, it's a pool table with no pockets, right? Is that fair enough? Okay, and, and listen, I love the English, but I'm just saying they don't have all these other options, distractions, whatever you want to call it. Uh, so when you get a Joshua and you build him up properly, which they've done over there. You, you have a monster. You have a behemoth. You have a draw. You have a guy that puts 90,000 people into a stadium. So when you can't have that over here because of what I just explained. There's other options. There's other outlets. There's other choices. So when you have that, guess what? You also have the option of fighting almost anybody. You're not forced to have to fight Wilder or anybody. And... You're getting it. You're going to get that. You're going to get that over there where, you know, he's going to go down a list. And you would almost would have to say that his manager would be mismanaging him and it would be bad business if he was fighting Wilder right now. So I guess what I'm telling people is that fight ain't happening. That's not happening for a while. I know I'm jumping around. We could have been more. But let's get to the point. That's not happening right now. Because, again, why would they, from a business standpoint, risk fighting a guy who can punch like that when they can fight other guys and put 90. Oh, okay. Instead of putting 90, you put 80,000 in. That's not too bad, right? <laughs> uh, you're fighting, right. The, you're fighting the doorman from the King's arms. I'm, I'm just guessing there's a King's arms <laughs> hotel in London. I'm, I'm guessing. And, and so and that doesn't make me the amazing Kreskin, but I'm going to say, I bet you that there is, and there's probably people out there listening, and they're probably Googling it right now and saying, let's see, we might got Teddy on this one. <laughs> we might have him on this one. All right. But uh, you get the point. The point is that from a business standpoint, and this is always about business, right? And and we have a great, great producer in this room, and he's uh, already looking to put things up on a screen because he is great, <laughs> and we're going to find out whether or not we have a King's Arms, and I'm I'm <laughs> furious myself, and uh, here we do. Wow, and it's it's four, Oh, nice job. Star. How many stars has it got? It's got four stars. Looks like right? a 4.3 rating. Wow. wow. Thanks, yeah. thanks to so um, PR to wow. the stars, Rob Moore. 
Wow, that's pretty good. That's a damn good job. <laughs> and so, again, you can go from a business standpoint, you wouldn't, you are not looking and expecting them to be in there for a while. So it's not going to happen. Yeah. It's not going to happen for a while because it doesn't have to happen for them. For a while, though, of course, it makes all the sense in the world. Where is he going to make that money anywhere else? So, and Well, right now he's going to make it in the rematch. That's a big fight. Well, no, that's true. You're right. The Fury fight, that's a big fight. But what's even a bigger one, what's even a bigger one, and you're talking about the biggest of the big, is if Fury can win that one and then fight Joshua in London. Oh. 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 Might be the biggest fight in the history. It will be. Oh, my goodness. It might be bigger than Pacquiao and Mayweather, which the stars lined up, you know, perfectly for that to happen. Yeah. And then nobody thought that would happen, but it happened. Huge. This one would be even bigger because there's so many elements to it. Both of them being from over there, island for, you know, Fury, I don't know if it's officially island or officially London, whatever. Yeah. You know, his story as a tinker, as a gypsy, you know, all the backdrop of that. Joshua, of course, you know, being who he is and a gold medalist and all that stuff, black and white. Yeah. Don't think black and white don't come into it. You know, Don King remembered that. He knew that way back when Jerry Cooney and Holmes, when he put that together, he understood that. Mm -hmm. He understood the value of that mm -hmm. and he exploited it. Um, so... You have all of those elements. Boy, that fight would be unbelievably big. But right now we're dealing with the right now with what's happening. And I think as proof here, if I'm in a courtroom and I have to prove to Ken that what I just said has merit to it, that you're not going to see a Wilder Joshua fight because of the reasons I just said, I would use the example of Canelo and Golovkin, Triple G. You go back to when that fight was first proposed, it took five years. It took years for it to happen. I remember when it was first talked about, when they were in their prime, I said, that ain't happening. Oh, yeah, Ted, it's going to happen because of money, because of this, because of that. I said, no, no, you guys don't understand. Both sides have to feel the same way. Canelo's side knows they have that great, great, great Latino market behind them. They don't have to fight a guy as dangerous as Golovkin to make money. They don't have to. It's the same thing I'm talking about with Joshua. Joshua doesn't have to. He can fight other guys. He has the audience built in. Canelo didn't have to fight those kind of guys. He had the audience. No matter who he fought, they were going to show up. They were going to come. He was going to make money. They're going to wait. And you know what? They waited. And I said, they said, how long will they wait? He said, well, they wait till he gets older, till he gets a little bit more vulnerable, and till it makes more sense, where it does make sense, because the fight becomes bigger, it makes more sense economically, but it makes more sense where they have a better chance to win, to compete, to be in it, not to kill the golden goose that lays all these golden eggs, <laughs> right? So they waited. And then when they saw him with Danny Jacobs, I think it's fair to say, oh yeah, when they saw him with Danny, they said, oh, there it is. He doesn't look that great. Taking nothing away from Danny. Danny yeah. did his job. Danny's a good middleweight. Real good. He's a world really champion good. in his own right. But I'm just saying that they saw something exposed. You know, they saw, what's that saying that we used to use? Slip showing, yeah. right? They saw that and they said, okay, now's the time to make this fight. And they did. Well, I think that leads to the controversial decision, and maybe you can talk to um, – I've heard you mention it, I think, on uh, ESPN maybe about why 
when the thing went to a decision, I didn't think uh, Triple G had a chance to of of winning just because of who promoted the fight and the way. I think maybe you can talk to how the how the whole promotion gets put together, who hires the ref, who hires the judges, how the whole thing plays out, and um, the whole thing is well, begging to be corrupted. The the whole it's like boxing is like when you ask that question, boxing is like building a city, building houses, building a community on toxic ground, on ground that came from dumps. Well, hear me through. And it, it shouldn't be built on that. So something bad's going to happen eventually. Your kids might start glowing at night. <laughs> okay? And it's happened. It's happened in life. We're talking really real things here. And where it's built on something dangerous, on something toxic, on something it shouldn't be built on. Well, that is what boxing and the structure of boxing has been built on. Because you have the people that are making money in the sport, the promoters, you know, the managers, the, the every whatever. You have the people making money and they are in the same place right next to the people that are supposedly administrating the sport, making sure that the sport's not crooked, making sure that funny things don't happen, making sure that kids don't become green and start glowing at night, right? And so the landscape, there, there's no division of church and state. There's no separation. There, there's no policing. There's nothing. There, there's no... God Almighty, there's there's nothing in place to make sure that corruption doesn't happen. The the the, the people making money, they're right in there with the people that are administrating and have the responsibility of administrating the sport. Explain the connection with the promoter and who hires all the officials, from the judges to the referees, and how all the fight gets know, promoted. All you need to know. <clears throat> I don't want to bore people out there, but I'll give them the basic lowdown. All you need to know is that, first of all, the promoters pay the officials in a lot of states. I mean, do you need to? I mean, what? 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 It's like the Patriots hiring what? the referees before the Kansas City game and flying like, them like out there Kraft, on a private the jet. Robert Kraft saying, hey, come here, Mr. Official. Here, 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 let me give you your, your paycheck for today. Hey, the Jets on the uh, runway to right? take you home. Here. I mean, so they end – there, you, you got these alphabet organizations, these sanctioning organizations, WBA, uh, you know, and I've said it before, I'll say it again, you know, the, the call letters, what is it, World Boxing Association? For me, it's We Be Asking, okay? <laughs> the IBF, International Boxing Federation, all right. Listen, 40 years, I'm sorry. I got to tell you what it really is. I be felonious, all right? <laughs> okay? Yeah. We, WBC, World Boxing uh Commission or whatever the hell it is, council, whatever, the, I don't even know. But whatever it is, we'd be collecting. All right? Uh, listen, it's not so funny when a kid gets robbed. That's right. That has put his whole life into it, and he's taking punches, and he has to go back after being robbed and take punches again to get back to that place that he was just robbed from. That ain't so funny. That's why I take this stuff serious. That's one of the reasons why maybe, you know, when you ask me at the top why I'm doing this, um, 
one of my hopes would be maybe we could make a difference. Maybe. Because in boxing, you know, there's there's very little places to make differences. I just kind of laid it out. There's no enforcement in place. There's no national commission. The NFL has one. The NBA has one. MLB has one. NHL has one. Boxing doesn't have one. There's no police. There's nobody there. And to your point and to your question, you know, there's, you got the people, the promoters, people making money and the organizations who rate these guys who get sanctioning fees from their champions for the right to, for them to call you a champion and give you a belt, you have to pay them a part of your purse, a sanctioning fee. And they have, you know, they, they have these meetings that go on, these conventions that go on all over the world. They meet. What do you think goes on? Again, there's no police there. So you have the head of the, of, I won't name one. I won't pull one out of, of one of these organizations. And then you got the manager of a fighter who wants his fighter to move up a little bit. Uh, is there anyone watching that conversation? Is there anyone who's seen that maybe he's buying a ad for $30,000? Ads in those places don't cost $30,000. That's the kind of stuff I'm talking about. Do you know it's what like I'm this, saying? Like stuff but, that but I'm giving the it to you. layman isn't going to But, but I'm just saying, do you understand? Yeah. <laughs> There's nobody there saying, wait a minute, ad for $30,000. Whoa, 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 whoa. $30,000 ad in the church whoa, bulletin. Whoa, whoa, wait a minute. So, you know what I mean? Well, how about how about the dinner? I've been at them. How about the dinner where you know where to go, what restaurant to go in the city before a big fight, right? Around the world, Germany, you know, London, United States, wherever the fight's going on. And you walk in and you see something that looks like the Last Supper. Except the Last Supper, the big, 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 big difference is that um, maybe there was a better group of people, but the big difference is that there was probably just bread and water. At this dinner, you got the best wines, you got lobster, you got caviar maybe, you got the best steaks. I mean, you, it's a hell of a dinner. It's a, and you know what? It's a hell of a tab. It's a hell of a bill. And guess who's at that dinner? All the officials who's going to be working to fight the next day. Yeah, this is real. All the officials who are going to be working a fight the next day, you know, all the heads of the organization or some of the heads of that organization, uh, all the officials, the refs, the judge, everybody, they're all sitting there. Guess who the host is? Guess who the guy <laughs> to check is? It's, yeah, it's the promoter. And guess what? The promoter has one fighter who he wants to win that night. Guess what's going on at that dinner? But besides good cuisine, there's conversation going on. And maybe somebody says, hey, uh, you know, I was, thank you for your hospitality, Mr. So-and-so. I was wondering, you know, it's such a beautiful place here. And, you know, I haven't gotten a chance to really see it yet. I was wondering if I could extend the hotel for an extra two days. No problem. No problem. There's nobody there to say there's a problem to that, that there's an impropriety to that. So it's no problem. Uh, you know what, uh, sir? Um, you know, my my girlfriend uh, wants to come in. I was thinking if I could get another airfare. Yeah, no problem. Uh, you know, I was thinking that, you know, uh, my second girlfriend wants to come in. I gotta get a, <laughs> yeah, I, I gotta get a second room. Uh, no problem. Listen, listen, the point is that if this took place in with, and I'll change the characters to very visible characters for everybody to relate to. If this same thing took place 
in baseball the night before World Series game. And it was all the umpire and crew that was at that table, right? And the host was a guy named Steinbrenner. <laughs> okay. No, really. This is really. Um, would that be allowed? No. Uh, would that? Could you even think about? No. Could you? No. <laughs> because there'd be no sport of baseball anymore. They're gone. Done. Finished. But there's still a sport of boxing. And it goes on every day. So if you're training a guy and you're the challenger, you're the B-side, and you know the other guy's promoter has done all the work, hired all the officials, are you telling your man going into the ring, look, you need to knock this guy out. We're not going to win a decision. We're going to lose every single never, round that's close. Never. Okay. I'm going to compromise everything that I believe in and I've learned in this freaking sport. Are you kidding me for these crooks? Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? No. Are you kidding me? I'm I'm going to tell my guy that the the things that we learned, the things that we talk about that are important technique and discipline and, and understanding angles and understanding distance and being a pro and 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 being the best fighter in the ring and and being uh, consummate at all those things and and being able to, you know, take away the guy's power and and being able to outsmart a guy and outwork a guy and outmaneuver a guy, you're telling me that I'm going to throw that all in a garbage heap and say go get lucky and, and freaking just land a big punch and put myself in danger by telling him that or put him in danger by telling him that no I'm that would be the worst thing in the world that those people get me to do that no I never do that do some people feel that way yeah do you have a conversation yeah. with the yeah. guy explaining like we're not going to get close no. rounds no you we're, just hope for no. them you yeah. just do your job because do your job. Listen, do you have to motivate a guy in the midst of a fight, you know, in the in the middle of, of the stream that you're trying to cross and say, hey, start paddling a little harder? Yeah. You know, there's a, there's a couple of sharks over here. Those fins don't look friendly. <laughs> you, you know, do you, yeah, of course you do that. Of course you do your job. That's my job at that point. But going in, do I say, hey, you know, we got to knock this guy out? No, no. Because then, then you're telling that baseball player, hey, you got to hit a home run. And then he freaking strikes out because he's not doing what he was taught since Little League, which is keep your eye on the ball and have a smooth swing and freaking and make good contact. And if it goes, it goes. That's how you do it. That's how you do it in boxing. It's the same philosophy. It's the same old-fashioned stuff. And, and for that to be taken away, that would be the most criminal part of this whole damn thing is if somebody took that away. I was in that position. I've been in that position. We were in that position with Volsic, the, the light. I know I'm jumping around, but you know I'm what? Sorry. Guess what? That's what our podcast is going to be. <laughs> All right? Well, well uh, news memo. News memo. You don't want to follow the producer's guy outline? <laughs> news memo. <laughs> you know? Hey, we're going to jump around. Uh, all right? <laughs> and, and yeah. And Volsic, I'm, I'm blessed enough to have a good human being and to have him come to me and ask him to train me. We'll get into it more later, but uh, we were fortunate enough to fight December 1st for the world title uh, and win the title. And we pray, we pray, we pray that Stevenson continues to get better because he got hurt in that fight. And that's something you can never know going into a fight. And that's why I take this business so serious because um, sometimes you could go in the ring, as I've said on ESPN over the years, and come out of it with less of yourself. And that's why I, I do jump all over these officials when when they get it wrong, either out of incompetence or corruption. Those are only two ways you can get something wrong, really, in this business. As far as I'm concerned, there's, there's no other way. So 
And when they do, and I call them out on it, and I get, and people say, oh my God, Teddy gets so passionate about it, or so furious about it, or so out of control about it. Well, that's why. That's why. Because I understand the seriousness of it. So in that fight, going into that fight, I knew we were fighting a guy that was the second most dangerous puncher in the game. And a guy who had held the title, light heavyweight title, longer than anyone else, five and a half years. He was making his 10th defense. He was very experienced. But he was the second most dangerous. He he was one of the, I would put him as one of the hardest punches I've ever seen in boxing. Yeah, that's wow. a big statement. Yeah. That's a big statement. With one hand, with the left hand, mm. like Ernie Chavis was with the right hand. Mm. And he was that bad, that dangerous a puncher. Like the old timers would say, he hit you on top of the head, he fractured your ankles. <laughs> and so I knew, so in that case scenario, scenario, going in there for eight weeks of training, when I was training Volsic Alexander, um, I, I wasn't, I, my whole plan, our whole plan, our whole gearing for that fight was to stay away from that power, to stay to avoid that power at all costs. There was no margin for error. There was no margin for error. We couldn't make mistakes. And so we, we had to have a very definitive plan, a real strong idea of what we needed to do, complete understanding of what we needed to do every second in that fight. And there was no room to be able to be greedy or to just go in and say, hey, we got to knock him out. If we would have done that, oh my goodness, we would have went right into what I just told you. Mm. We had to avoid into the lion's den, into the, the great power of this man. And so I could not be influenced in any way by worrying about, and, and the truth was they were going to rob us. Mm. They were going to rob, and, and if it was, it was going to be, it was going to be. But the plan was to to avoid the power, to take little pieces, to be like piranha fish, to take little pieces all night until finally we get late rounds where then we could take more. But then it would be okay. Then then it would be, we'd be in a position where, not that we'd be safer, but we'd be in a position where we took enough away where we'd have a better opportunity without risking everything. That it would be, the, that there would be an opportunity there. For, and for people for in the fight, and and so so, if I ever was ever influenced by oh they're gonna and they were gonna rob us they had us behind if I was ever oh they did have you behind at the stoppage yeah so that's what I'm saying if I was ever influenced and it was wrong to have us behind but hey in my estimation but and in a lot of people's estimation but listen if I would have again again. If I would have said, "Hey, listen, they're gonna they're gonna rob us going into this fight in his home country, and you know, we have to be uh, taking risks from the beginning, from the first bell." No, no, that that would have again, that would have flew in the face of everything that I know, everything that I know was 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 good or bad for my fighter. For people who might not have seen it, I think uh, Alex rocked him in the third. Did he drop him and they didn't call it a knockdown? Well, well, Is that correct? Yeah. I mean, the referee, I don't know how to this day. Again, listen, we're talking while there's a guy who's hurt. So I'm, I'm, I want to be very aware of that. Well, we're just going to talk I'm, about no, no, the know, facts but, of but the I'm fight. I'm saying that respectful of that. And, and again, I, I would ask the people out there, the real boxing fans and just the real human beings, say a prayer for him. Because yeah. we've been praying that he continues to get better, Stevenson. But, uh, yeah, 
In the third round, we landed a right hand. Part of what we worked on, you know, you work on those things. You try to set a trap and you get the guy to be make a little mistake and close the trap and land the counter right hand, drop him, and the referee says it's not a knockdown. I mean, yeah. I mean, it's right there. Yeah. And he's right in front of it, mm -hmm. looking at it. All right, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, do your thinking for you, but what do you think? What do you think? I mean, right there, you talk, come on, come on, come on. But again, at that point, did I say, hey, look, you could see that the fix is in. Oh, we better start doing, no, yep. keep doing what we're doing. Because that was the plan for a reason. There was a reason. It hasn't changed. He's dangerous. This guy's a great, great, great puncher. So, uh, you know, and then, uh, and then later on, you know, we uh, we did what we made one mistake uh, in, in the tenth. Tenth, we got hurt, and uh, again, just a tiny little mistake. Stayed there a little too too uh, got a little too close when he jabbed, which was part of the plan. Don't jab from the wrong position, the wrong the wrong place, wrong distance, and don't be there too long. He was, and he got clipped with the left hand, and he. he he got hurt. But that speaks to your point about... His character. His character saved him. That speaks to your point about you're not a fighter until you face resistance. And yes. he took resistance yes. there. That was a big shot. I think I think the ropes may have kept him up, kept Alex up, and he came back and fought. He seemed to, like, he survived it and light a fire under his butt. Yeah, big time. He, and, I mean, he, he closed the him. show when he had a chance. He did everything like the consummate professional, like perfectly coached. He had the kid hurt, and he jumped on him. And he closed it. And the referee, I don't think the referee did it. And listen, this is another thing. Maybe if you chose to listen to our podcast, um, maybe this is part of the reason. Uh, I'm going to say something that's not so, you know, that's not so easy to say, popular, whatever you want to say. Uh, comfortable sometimes, especially after, you know, I'm not blaming them for Stevenson's situation, but I'm just saying you always need, you always need fair judges because of what I already said, because you never know when a fighter goes in that ring how he's going to leave. So you want fair judges because it's not fair to be robbing somebody in this business that is so dangerous. Yeah. And and it's the same thing for the referee. you you got to have the right referee, the right person, a qualified person and an honest person. And look, I'm not going to make judgment on him. And I'm not going to say that uh, that obviously he's the reason why Stevenson got hurt because it, it, it just happened. Nobody's in control of those yeah. things. Nobody. Uh, we don't know that those things are going to happen. And it's it's one of the unfortunate things. It can happen in football. And it happens in football, mm -hmm. you know, with the wrong hit at the wrong time. And, and it happens in my sport, in boxing. But what I will say, and again... It's something that I, a lot of people on one of these things with one of these things in their face, uh, probably stay away from saying. But if I believe it, then then it's worth saying it. And that referee didn't do a good job that night from missing, not only missing the knockdown in the third round, but later on for whatever reason, I don't. He wasn't in a position that he should have been in to possibly, possibly. Stop that last punch. And again, uh, I, I don't. A lot of people wouldn't even be making that comment because it's it's tough. 
It's tough. And again, am I saying he's the reason why Stevenson got hurt? No. I'll say it again. No, I'm not. But I'm just saying his duty as a high-level ref, supposedly, in that position, in that position, he should probably be in better position. He should be in better position physically to be able to stop that punch. Because when Alex started hitting Stevenson, it was on the other side of the ring. And he started driving him backwards. So the referee saw that happening and had all that time to get himself ready for what was coming next. And so it took from that side of the ring all the way back to the other side. It took basically from our side of the ring where we were sitting in the corner back to where Stevenson's side of the ring was. And by the time he got back there, the referee should have, from that action, known what was happening, what was possibly going to happen, and been in position to stop it. But for some reason, he wasn't. Was it a bad night? Was it out of position? Those things happen. Human element. Um, you know, maybe. Maybe. Or, if you want to think the worst, he wasn't... Um, Again, gotta be you know gotta be careful, uh, because I'll, it's something that terrible that happened. Uh, it, it can happen any time, God forbid, because of the nature of the business, because of the danger of the business, just like being on a football field. But um, you just wonder what the referee was thinking. You know, what was he thinking when we were driving him back? Was he thinking, I got to get in position and be ready to stop this? Or was he maybe being human in a different way and saying, I'm going to give the champion who comes from this country a little bit more of a chance? From from my no, perspective, no, that's yeah. what I thought. Yeah. I thought I thought. And again, a lot of people stay away yeah. from. But, but I think uh, the truth is the the truth. I mean, I, is that possible? He was thinking. Do I know he was thinking that? No, no. I say it again. No. But that thinking can't be part of anybody in that position's thinking. Yeah, it can't be right because because again because of the. The real danger of this sport, the reality of that danger, of showing itself at any time. Yeah. The only thing in mind of a person with that great, great responsibility has to be, I see what I'm seeing, and I have to be in position to be ready to stop it. Nothing else should interfere with that thinking, that judgment. Yeah. Oh, you're right. You see the effect. You see the results of what happened when you. What happens when you don't do that? And I want to get your uh, I want to get your thoughts um, on the Harris and Charlo fight because that was a highly controversial one, and and with most people thinking that um, Charlo got severely robbed, and I know I've heard you make some comments about this, and I'd love to hear you talk about it more in depth that um, you didn't agree with that, and that you think Harrison did win the fight, and um, personally, I thought that. Um, Charlo edged him out. I didn't think it was a complete blowout, but I did think it was a bad decision. But 
it's interesting to hear your perspective from a boxing trainer and and your interpretation. So if you could just like elaborate on why you thought that um, Charlo won it and why you think that so many people had Harrison winning. Oh, sorry, had Charlo winning and uh, getting robbed. First, I felt I had to say something because my back hurts, but I thought I had to say something because so often with my position, you know, my platform on ESPN, I, when I've seen a judge, when I've seen a bad decision, what I thought was a bad decision, and it turned out maybe a lot of people thought it was a bad decision, but when I've seen a bad decision where it's usually involved the money fighter, the house fighter, the protected fighter, uh, the anointed guy, uh, the promoter's fighter, getting the benefit of a decision over the underdog. Yeah. I've used my platform to go and try to correct that. And I've done it very strongly. Um, and there's all kinds of instances out there to see where I've done it. But this was a case, and I've gone after and I've vilified those judges. I've vilified them. I tried to get them out of the business because I think they're dangerous. Just like smoking cigarettes is dangerous, they should they put it on. The Surgeon General uh, suggests uh, that you understand, tells you that smoking can be hazardous to health. It's right on a pack of cigarettes. I want, I've, I asked my producers to do this. I never got it done over the 22 years that I was doing Friday Night Fights. I asked them to put, they said, Teddy, we, I said, please <laughs> do it. Please, please put a graphic up that and put a picture of, of, of the judges that we know to be bad, that have already shown us enough of a track record to be bad, where we put these judges can be dangerous to the health of a fighter. <laughs> And I never got it done. I can't believe but, they wouldn't put that up, Teddy. You no, know, I, I tried. I tried. <laughs> Just so you guys out there know, that's another thing you're learning with this podcast. <laughs> that, yeah, behind the scenes, there are things going on. And you're not aware of more. So I, I have vilified those judges, rightfully so, in my estimation, my mind, my heart. And this was a case where it was different. This was a case where the judges actually voted for the guy going. They went against the house fighter. They they put themselves at risk where they might never get asked to judge again. That's yeah. the reality yeah, yeah. of this business. No, no. That's the reality that that promoters can say to commissions, "I don't want that guy." Where where you can knock a guy down. You can't really say, "I want this judge," but you could say, "I don't want that one." And you get away with it. So, and they know it. They know it. That's where there doesn't have to be an envelope in a cigar-filled, smoky room handed under a table. Yeah, it's not so overt, yeah, right? It doesn't have to be that. It would be just like the understanding that if you don't vote for my guy, uh, you won't be getting a call to do work. The boondoggles are over. Yeah, you won't be working. So so these judges took that risk, and they, they went against the house fighter. And... They got destroyed, and everybody went after them. The commentators, everybody, the media, you know, for the most part, whatever media is left in this sport, and um, and they went after them. And I said, wait a minute. I have an obligation here. 
I opened my big freaking mouth <laughs> and and said what I said when when they got it wrong the other way. They got it right in my mind. And I'll explain to you why. But they got it right in my mind. I got to protect these guys. I got to stand up for them. I got to show that I'm not full of crap and, and, and just, you know, on the easy side. I got to be on the hard side because my kids even told me because they know I don't know nothing about the internet, you know. And so they even they even What's told the internet? Me, uh, it's this thing that came around. I'm not sure when, but it's out there now. And, um, That's where you send your emails, right? Uh, the what? <laughs> I, I don't do emails. I, oh, Rob told I, me it was FedEx and you went outline for the show. I don't do emails. I don't do emails. You just got a fax machine, though. Is that correct? No, I've had the fax machine. I'm way ahead of you. Six way, months. Way, no, no, no. Years. Years. I've had a fax machine for years. And and uh, you know what? I I have to – I go through them. I go through, <laughs> You're I, the only fax customer I, left in the world. I go through them. I go through ink. I go I, – I, I, they get jammed up. I pull them out and the freaking thing uh, no more. I, I go through a lot, a lot of fax machines. I'm telling you. And um, so anyway, uh, I felt that it was a need – to stand up to show that, you know, I ain't a, you know, I'm, I'm not what I think other people are sometimes. We all can be, you know, as fair weather friends or, or, or a guy that just likes to be on the side of the easy side that's comfortable and that's the winner and that's the fashionable side to be on. I, I had to be on the side. My, my kids warned me. They said, Dad, I just want you to know. I know it's not going to make a difference with you, but we want you to know that the internet, there's a lot of people that thought that Charlo got robbed, and there's a lot of haters out there, which you know already. I said, yeah, I, I understand. you know, And that's one of the good things about the internet, that I don't know the internet. I don't feel and see all this stuff unless someone tells me. I'm not aware of the things people can. So if you're planning on trolling us yeah, on the yeah. internet, we're not going to uh, see no, it. Because well, Teddy won't. I will. I don't, I, don't, <laughs> I don't see the stuff when they call me these bad names <laughs> and all that stuff. So I – and that's good. Uh, to to the extent that it is, but you know, you hear about some things, and so my kids were just warning me that, hey, Dad, um, people are gonna jump all over you when you come out and you say what you. They're gonna people. Some people are gonna jump on you, and you. It's gonna be. I said fine, because I have to do it. Who says you do things? And my kids know that. Who says you do things when you know you only jump in the water when it's warm? <laughs> You know, sometimes you got to jump in when it's cold because, you know, it's because you want to swim that day. But this you, is not. I, no, and, I, and I'm just saying that in this case, it was important to say something because I felt the judges got it right. I felt that people were protecting the, the money guy, the, the undefeated fighter, the promoter's fighter. The way they do in this business and in other businesses, you know, in, in the same sort of way for whatever that business happens to be. And they were being influenced by, first of all, they were influenced by that's the guy they want to win. That's the big influence. That That's the guy where the money's behind. That's the guy who's going to go forward. That's the anointed guy, the guy they put there to go forward, to make money and everything else. And there was a brother tandem. So it, it, it all fit in. But I think they you Everybody's touched by that. I think the uh, the broadcasters, everybody was 
was saying, you know, that this guy won. And they, but if you listen to the broadcast, even during the broadcast, it was, and I'm not knocking any broadcasters. I'm in that business. I'm just saying that it, it was like, you know, listening to it, there was only one guy fighting at some times. Yeah. And that happens sometimes. And, you know, I'm not saying I'm perfect, but I tried every fight, tried never to be in that position of being on one side of ever. You try. Doesn't mean you accomplish it, but you really do try and you should try. And so I'm, I'm, that's part of what's going on. And I tell you, part of what I think also is influential that can move people. The other guy's more muscular. I know that sounds crazy. The other guy's the undefeated guy. The other guy, the, the, everyone's telling you he's supposed to win. Everyone's reacting to what he does. Everyone's telling you what's happening. And sometimes you don't look to see really what you, you're just looking, but you're not seeing. You, you're listening. Oh, left to, well, wait a minute. Did you look to see if it really landed or if it was blocked? Did you really look? His head went back. Water came off. But did it really land? Did it really land? And so you, can we be influenced by those things? Yeah, of course we can. And and the guy's muscular and the guy's stronger and the guy's throwing harder punches. Is there any – am I saying to you out there that are listening that that Charlo didn't throw the harder punches? No, he threw the harder punches. That he wasn't physically strong? No, he was physically stronger. Uh, that That he wasn't more aggressive? No, he was more aggressive. But that doesn't in itself win a fight. It's the sweet science. We talked about it early in the podcast. If you if you don't know, catch up. Go back and listen to the beginning <laughs> of this podcast. That that's how life gets evened up. You don't have to be the strongest. You don't have to be Arnold Schwarzenegger physique. You don't have to be Lee Haney uh, look alike. You don't have to have those muscles. You don't have to be born with all those gifts. There are ways to even a playing field. There are ways to make up for guys that are stronger than you, that are quicker than you, and Harrison found those ways. He did the only criterion that matters in this freaking sport is who lands the most cleanest punches, who controls the flow of the fight. Who's landing more than the other guy? Harrison did that. Did he do it with bombs? No. Doesn't matter. He did it with jabs, with a well-timed jab at the right time when when Charlo was about to get started. Pop, pop, the jab, just to drive. Charlo's about to start something. Pop. Right at the sweet spot, right at the perfect spot. He 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 caught him, and he stopped his momentum, and he broke up his rhythm. Just through the right, just the right timing, the sweet science. Not the stronger guy, not the faster guy, the the, the but the better guy, the better guy that night. And he used all those things. He moved his head when the big shots came, and he avoided the big shots. Did he avoid everything? Nobody avoids everything, but he avoided most of the big shots. You know, he kept himself off the ropes. He kept himself in, in a position where, you know, he could be in control when he had to be in control. He navigated his way around the ring. He did all those things, and I watched the fight. I said, he won. He won. And when everybody else... And again, were they influenced by some of those other things? I'm sure they were. But you're not supposed to be influenced by those things. At the end of the day, the only thing that matters is what matters is who landed the most punches, who did the things I just talked about in the ring. And Harrison did those things for me. And so I came to their defense. You know, 
Uh, there's a thing called Instagram. You ever hear about it? No. What's that? My daughter started for me. And, um, you have an Instagram account? Yeah, yeah oh, I have geez. an Instagram. She started and she, she, yeah, she handles it for me and everything. <laughs> and, um, what's the, what's the handle? At Teddy Atlas? No, now you, oh, for Christ's sake. Teddy, Teddy, at Teddy score under, at Teddy underscore Atlas. I, I, for your viewing pleasure. I, I, it should be above score. <laughs> I don't know why it's underscore. But um, so, yeah. So I got one of those things, you know. And some, uh, I said, you know what? I think my daughter might have said, Dad, do you want to put something up, a video? You know, I forgot you could do that. Yeah. <laughs> Dad, I'll be honest. I, I forgot that you could actually put a video. But it's got to be short. Can't yeah. be long. It's got to be like a minute. So, um, and that's hard for me, as you guys can kind of <laughs> tell, right? So um, I said, yeah, I'm going to put something up, which I never do. Yeah, yeah. Never, ever. And I did. I said, I, I need to do that. So I put a minute video up there. Yeah, no, uh, I saw that. It was great. Yeah, and, then, and then I said, I called one of my guys at ESPN. And I said, I'm going to write something for ESPN.com. They said, we'll take it. Of course, you know, we'll yeah. take it. And and I want to write a little piece uh, going to the defense of uh, of the judges and saying that I thought Harrison won. And why? Mm. Why I thought he won. And they put that up. And um, so, yeah. I I did what I thought I needed to do uh, to take the stance that I thought was important to take, uh, in not only in defense of the judges, but in defense of Harrison, uh, who I thought earned the right to be a champion that night. There's two things that were going on there. Number one, I think that the um, the announcers have a lot more influence over the masses than people acknowledge or recognize like if you watch a fight without the commentary and then you watch it again with the commentary a lot of times i feel like am i watching the same fight as those guys like you said did that shot really land the guy announced it like he just like punched his head off his shoulders and a lot of times it might be a glancing blow and the other thing is with reaction to your disagreement with the masses we're in this state in 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 the country or in society where whatever the popular belief is like Especially with regards to politics, it's like whatever the masses say, it's like, God forbid you disagree with them, you're vilified instantly. If you have a differing opinion, I mean, it's, it's insane. There's like a, this mass hysteria and like, um, outrage at people are outraged that you disagreed with, with, with the, with the, uh, with the masses on that, on that decision. Uh, people are scared of that. You know, people, uh, you know, that's again what we talked about at the top, you know, uh, Fight the fight. Mm-hmm. Don't submit. Yeah. Now, really, too many people submit in this life. And I'm, I'm not trying to be the guy that's the only guy that knows whether someone's fighting or not fighting or whatever. But I know. No, but I, when you have an opinion, you're not afraid to say it and disagree with the masses. There's some people out there in life. And, it's again, it's, it's in all different facets, all different places. But they they find a way to submit to to not say nothing to just get along to go along to get along yeah. and listen some people for them that works i i understand i'm not telling you go out there and get fired today mm-hmm. i'm not telling you to do that you got a family to take care of but you also do have yourself to take care of to live with yeah you have that guy called you <laughs> that guy told you that you got to live yeah, with yeah. right yeah. And and that that's got to count for something, right? Yeah. That's got to that's got to mean. There's, and listen, there's, there's different ways of submitting. You know, in in the sport, I I was one of the probably only guys that used to use this term on the air. Um so my ears doing the broadcast for ESPN, but you can be a game quitter. 
Now, people will say that, listen, Teddy, what's a game quitter? A game quitter is, uh, well, Mike Tyson has been a game quitter in the past. Um, a game quitter is a guy that will take punches and it takes people a look and say, wow, that's gutsy. And and I guess it is, right? Not everyone can do that. They will take punches, but they're not trying to win anymore. Yeah. They're not trying to win. They're not taking risk. They're not taking chances. But they're taking punches just to wait for it to be over. Yeah. And that's a game quitter. And there's people out there in life that are taking punches every freaking day in their marriage. Yeah. Yep. In their marriage. I said I wasn't going to be Dr. Brothers, and here I am on Dr. Brothers Avenue. But but uh, I said that at the beginning that uh, this podcast is going to be a connection of dots. Yeah. Wherever those dots take us, right? Yeah. And, you know, there's people in their marriage, in their job, right, in their existence that, uh, that, are, just, uh, that are just taking punches waiting for it to be over. Yeah. Don't do that. <laughs> Don't do. Hey, it's not good to do. Don't do that. That's. It's not. I mean, it's not a good thing to be doing. And listen, I can take this too. I, I've talked in the NFL to a lot of different teams. They've. I've been blessed enough where they've asked me to go out and talk to NFL teams. And um, you know what? I my message. My main message is with these monster athletes, as my son says, they're beasts. You know, they are in freaks. the most complimentary way that you could say something like that, but they're beasts. They are magnificent. You I mean, you take an NFL, you take an elite NFL, like a defensive end or a linebacker, and you stand them in here against the against the uh, you know Joe Joe, uh, you know Eddie Joe, Everyman Joe, and uh, they look like they're another species. Listen, I mean they're, they're moving. Human. Guy two fifty running a four five forty. But Six five. I know, and it's hard to separate and to understand and to realize that they do have their insecurities, their inhibitions, their fears, their doubts, their f- weaknesses. Yeah, and they do. Mm-hmm. And you know what? I could talk. We could make a three-hour podcast about my speeches, so we're not gonna. But I get to the one thing that I drive home: Are you trying to win, or are you trying to survive? That's exactly the, right. The lines become blurry. Yep. And sometimes you don't know. And it's the same thing in everything. Are you trying to win or are you trying to survive? And it's important to know that. And some people can go through half a career and not even know it. Not even know it. That, that they're getting away with it. Mm-hmm. And that they've been surviving. They've stopped trying to win. And, you know... It's the another thing I say without getting too deep into it, because we could save it for another time to get deeper. Um, you hear that, people out there? There's another show coming. <laughs> but you know what? The thing that I use as a trigger point to get to it uh, that that I that I say to people is that you've heard throughout your whole lifetime of athletics. You've heard coaches, good coaches, good coaches, but you'd heard they just say things sometimes, you know, because they heard it. And and really, it just gets handed down. And so they say, it's natural to win. Where is that in you? Where is that natural fire to win? Because we all want to win. Guess what, guys? It ain't natural. 
No, it's not natural. Is it taught? Is it aspired towards? Um, is is it? Do you learn to want to do it to achieve that? Yeah, yeah. Is it is it shown to you? Do you ever hear the saying someone has to learn how to win? Do you ever wonder where that came from? That there's truth and merit to that? If it was natural, would you have to learn how to win? If it was natural, would you learn have to learn how to win? No. And what's natural, Teddy? Well, what's natural is surviving. That's natural. The desire to survive. The reflex to survive. The mechanism to survive is called nature. Nature has put us all there. God, I believe in, but it's whatever people believe in. Let's just go the safe way. Nature. We're there, right? And nature has put in a mechanism that keeps all of its creatures alive. The ability to survive. When something threatening comes along, it finds a way to get you out. So how do you know you think you're winning, you think you're trying to win, but you're just surviving. Like, I'll give you an example you probably wouldn't hear anywhere else, but I'll give you an example of what I would say to the football players, that sometimes uh, they jump off sides. Now, is it because the crowd was so loud, they forgot what the count was walking those eight feet from the huddle to the line, eight feet. Takes half a second to walk, by the way. I timed it. I'm only kidding. I never timed it. But it, it, it's it's short. They forgot what the count was. In the NFL? No, I don't think so. <laughs> no. Right? But they jump all side. There's a 300-pound guy in front of them, right? And he's got big biceps, right? And he might even be growling a little bit. And he's in front of you. And he's about to come at you. Nature comes along and says, hey, my only job, I don't give a damn if you get a renewed contract. <laughs> I don't give a damn if you're driving a freaking Toyota or a freaking uh, Lexus. It doesn't matter to me. My job is to save your backside right now. Jump off size. <laughs> Flinch. Because nature, because nature, really, nature is surviving. You know what it's about? It's about the moment. It's about the moment. It's about that moment. It ain't about tomorrow. It's about that moment. That split second moment. And nature did its job. For that moment, it got you out of trouble. Let you go. Let you drift. Now, did you drift? Did you lose your concentration? I'm not going to argue that. Yeah. Why? The instincts took over. You want more? You have to, you have to, you have to follow some other thing. <laughs> I always like to say to people with uh, regards to like running races or any kind of endurance event, are you a competitor or are you a completer? Are you just out here to finish the race, which is fine, or are you trying to compete? Maybe not to win, but are you competing against yourself? Are you giving 100%? Absolutely. Are you trying to beat a goal and it doesn't have to be winning the race? But just you know what they need to know to really get to that place of completion? That place instead of just completion but winning? They need to know what's going on. The stuff we just talked about, most people don't know what's going on. How would they know? They don't know, they don't know what's going on. You know how many times fighters that 
get to the place where they're surviving. You know what the physical, tangible um, sign is that can show you that they're trying to survive? That without getting in their mind, without getting in here, they start throwing, I've used this term too on ESPN, they start throwing don't hit me punches. Yeah. You don't hit me, I won't hit you. Yeah, yeah. It's almost like a silent, a, a silent agreement. Like, let's just take it easy. Meant from to it. be friendly. Yeah. That news. <laughs> there, there's something wrong. It's an axiomoron there. Yeah. There's something wrong. Punch is friendly. Punch is nice. No, no, no. Punch is bad. <laughs> Getting punch. hit with punch is even worse. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I knew you were here for a great reason. Thank you. Yes. Yes. And so. So you see these guys, they're throwing, don't hit me punches. They're, they're, they're surviving. They're breaking down. They're deteriorating right in front of you. Hmm. They don't know it. So I'm going to ask you a question. And for you people out there that ask yourself if you should continue, you know, what, what this is all about. And again, have you thrown, don't hit me punches today? Have you thrown, I, I don't know what time it is where you're listening. If it's too early, you, you're in sleep, so you couldn't have done it yet, unless you're dreaming. Weak, <laughs> but <laughs> but um, but uh, uh, if it's later in the day, have you already thrown some "don't hit me" punches? Have you already, you know, sort of compromised yourself to a certain degree? Whether it's as a mother, whether it's as a father, whether it's as a, a worker, as I said before, you know, what whatever that position is, maybe a teacher, maybe a teacher. Because it was too damn hard because it's tough being a freaking teacher today. Yeah, because anyway, you got to think about it. It's a damn shame. It's a damn shame on, uh, shame on our society. But, it, but it's a damn shame. And we'll have to get into more of that someday. <laughs> but it's a damn shame that you have to go through a freaking metal detector to go into a freaking school for a lot of reasons. For a lot of reasons. Yep. But what I'm saying is that could a teacher, because it's difficult to be a teacher nowadays, to say something that maybe, maybe was easier to say 10 years ago, 20 years ago, that maybe now when you say it to the student, they might not like it. They might not like it. <laughs> and there could, there could be a problem for you. There could be, there could be something you got to deal with that's uncomfortable. So you decide not to say something that a good teacher should say. Not to ask something of your student that as a teacher you're supposed to ask to make them a better student. You're going to bypass it. You're going to let it go. You're going to throw a don't hit me punch. You're going to survive. Anyway. <laughs> well, being a teacher is a hard job. I have four kids under eight and uh, who I love. I couldn't imagine having four kids that weren't mine in the house with my kids. I'm like pulling my hair Darn out when right. I'm with my own kids. Darn right. If my wife has to go somewhere, I literally look at her like, are you crazy? I'm not capable of being alone with these four kids by myself. <laughs> Tough. So being in a room with 20 kids who aren't yours or 30 or 40. Yeah. I'm going to pass on that job. It's a tough job. Yep. So before we get into, um, the recent fights this weekend, Pacquiao uh, card. I just wanted to get your take on the Fury Wilder decision. What did you think about the decision? Did you think that um, it was a draw, or uh, did you think that um, Fury won? You know what? I try never to sit in a fence. 
because yeah. uh, for, well, it hurts, you know what I mean? <laughs> at some point, at some point, it's comfortable, you think, and then all of a sudden you say, wait a minute, you know, who am I? What am I? Am I is, there, is there use to me? I'm just sitting on the fence. But this is one where I'm not sitting on the fence. It might sound like a little bit, um, but I've seen worse. I agree. I've seen worse. Yeah. You know, I'm kind of tired of the, oh, it's the worst. Oh, my God. Did you see that? I've seen worse. I think it was was the best thing that could have happened for both guys. Where was your outrage for some of these other fights? Yeah. You know? So, you know, did did I think that Fury won a lot of rounds because he was slicker and he was better, he was smarter. Uh, He made a mess and, you know, he he didn't land big punches, but he landed punches and he outmaneuvered them, you know, and he used the sweet science pretty good. Um, And he kind of did what a good pitcher does in baseball with, with a big, big home run hitter in front of him. He took the bat out of his hands. Yeah. Yeah. I thought he did that. And that's for you, Fury. Uh, I applaud you. Um, But did the two knockdowns catch up, uh, bring it closer? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, it did. Um, You know, so, uh, and did the little bit of time where he's doing this and he's doing all that, that, clowning and stuff <laughs> did that maybe take away a little bit of a few punches here and there that could have been landed maybe i don't know but um you know i know it's entertainment but but it is fighting too you know yeah. and, and it is what happens on a football field on a baseball diamond you know in in the hockey ring on the basketball court in the boxing ring you know it's it's not just about the other peripheral stuff uh even though sometimes people feel they need to do it uh because of the it, it brings more attention to them. But uh, at the end of the day, I've seen worse. Yeah. Uh, I've seen worse. So uh, I'm, I'm not going to – is there – you know, listen, the, the fighter that was with the promoter, with the power, we talked about Harrison, yeah. we talked about Charlo, that would have been wilder. Yeah. So if anyone was getting a gift, yeah, he was going to be getting a gift. Yeah. He was going to be getting a gift. And was to draw the uh, in the form of a gift? Yeah, maybe it was. I think maybe, so. Yeah, maybe it was. Maybe it was for you guys out there that you need me to be definitely showing I'm not sitting on the fence. Um, yeah. But at the end of the day, I'll say it again. I've seen worse, though. Yeah. Um, but you know what? They're going to be uh, taken care of. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they are going to be highly compensated for any of their tr- any of their emotional distress uh, <laughs> that they may have gone through. Poor Rob over there, he's doing a great job, but he might go through emotional distress today just from being with me in the room. And, Both of us. And, and he, <laughs> he has to hang out with and, me frequently. <laughs> and he's not going to be compensated for it, you know? But, but, but they will be. I think for the fans... It, it was the best result we could have hoped for because I think Joshua, like you said, he doesn't want to fight Wilder. I don't think he was ever going to fight Fury unless Fury won. Maybe he would have entertained that. But, you know, f- watching from a fan's perspective, I thought that Fury probably outboxed him. But if you're looking at it as this is a fist fight in the street and one guy's knocked down twice, no referee, one guy's clearly going to win that fight. And I don't think Wilder was ever hurt. Like I said, I thought that Fury outpointed him. But... Those two big knockdowns count for a lot. And I think that they both stand to make now tens of millions of dollars more that wouldn't have been on the table. So they get another big giant payday and Joshua was still out on the uh, horizon for the eventual winner. 
potentially. Yeah, I mean, you saying that you you think that they're going to make a lot of money doesn't make you exactly Warren Buffett. You know, <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah, I would agree with you. <laughs> yes, uh, they're going to make a lot of money, and uh, you know what? Uh, maybe it was meant to be that way. Yeah. Again, conspiracy theories or just understanding the sport that I'm in and the flaws of that sport. Um, maybe it was meant to be that. Yeah. Uh, which it shouldn't be. It shouldn't be. And that's wrong. But at the end of the day, it is what it is. It's interesting how that decision, though, took all the, like, uh, negotiating power away from Joshua, if you will. Now those guys are set for oh, rematching. Yeah. yeah. No, it's great to have options. Yep. It's great to have leverage. And now, like, like we talked about earlier, who's Joshua going to fight now? That's interesting. It doesn't matter for him. He's going to get paid. It's going to, but for, for the fans, it's like, there's no one out there that would, I could care less to see him fight. I mean, really, it's, that, that, you're forgetting that doorman from the King's Hall. It's not <laughs> the guy's like in deep in training camp already. He is. <laughs> he is. He took right away. He dropped that cheeseburger as soon as he heard <laughs> me say that. You know, I, I mean, a cheeseburger at the King's Arm is not just a regular cheeseburger. I mean, it's, you know, it's it's better than just They mix in the Kobe. It's better. Not just that. It's, it, <laughs> it might even have an egg on top. I mean, is, Quail you, egg. you ever had a cheeseburger in London in a good restaurant? You know I don't meet, eat, eat meat, Teddy. Uh, oh, you don't. That's right. All right. I'm sorry. <laughs> because you're missing something. Because you get a cheeseburger with an egg on top. Yeah, that's what they do. I, oh, yeah? I had one. Yeah, I had one. I was like, should I leave it on or should I, should I eat it like this? I mean, you know, and but it was. It turned out to be okay. And you just had your first wrap for breakfast, is that correct? Yeah, I did have a... Finally yeah. got it unwrapped. Uh, yeah, it, was, it wasn't easy. <laughs> You're right. It was a venture. It was. It, it, it was. Well, that leads us into this, uh, the Pacquiao-Broner um, fight this weekend. I'd love to hear your thoughts here because I have a lot of them, especially with regards to Broner. I mean... Some of this guy's antics. I mean, at one point during his training camp, I think he had court cases on two two court cases in two different states on the same day. I mean, the guy is making racial comments, being incredibly insensitive, making derogatory comments about Freddie Roach and his uh, ailment. I, he's very hard to like, I'd say that. And uh, but I'd like to get your thoughts on on the fight itself. Um, personally, I thought like as demonstrated, Pacquiao like beat him from pillar to post. Broner fought in spots through very few punches. And to me, he was surviving. It didn't even look like he tried to win the fight at any one point. But maybe you disagree. I'd love to hear your thoughts. No, I mean, first of all, you say he's hard to like. I think that it's probably hard for good, reasonable people listening out there to understand why he continues to get these chances to make money. When there's so many other fighters out there that don't do these things, you just went through the laundry list of uh, bad things, not good things, not good for the sport, not good for our society, not good for anybody. Um, there's so many fighters out there that could fit in there that could get that opportunity to make money. And he continues to be put back in that position, even after he's lost three fights when every time he stood up or moved up in class. To that that place where you, that's where you're supposed to show what you are. That's the place where you separate yourself. That's the place where you either win or you go somewhere else. Where if you don't win at that point, you go back to the line to where you're not making that kind of money. But he stays there. He stays at that elite level, that elite place to continue to get those fights. Now, listen, I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm 
I think I can understand that some of it they think it sells. But if we got that bad as a society that people are thinking that's what they need to sell, you can't sell something else. Have we gotten that backwards? Have we gotten into that? Really? A darker place where it has to be that to sell? I hope not. But um, so when it comes to the fight, there was only one winner. It was probably a shutout, maybe one round. Um, I, 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 one or two rounds. I can't see more than that, because you had one guy pushing a fight, that being Pacquiao. You, you know, I don't even know why the judges had it. I don't remember the scores, but why they even had it as close. I think it was one sixteen something, whatever, if I remember correctly. I don't even know why they had it that close, um, but. You had one guy making a fight, one guy taking chances, one guy throwing punches, one guy landing punches, one guy being the aggressor. And I know it's not just about being aggressive. I talked about that with the Harrison fight, obviously, in the Charlo fight. But one guy controlling the fight. One guy. One guy trying to fight, you could say. I don't think that's unfair to say. I agree. And that's another thing about this freaking podcast. If, if you don't want to hear things that that uh, somebody who's saying them is not worried about how it's going to sound or or, or uh, where it's going to hit you or, you, you know, what day of the week it is or, you know, if it's if it's an opportune time to say it or not or sensitive, then, then you're listening to the wrong podcast if, if, if that's what you want. But we're going to say, really, I think you have a, when you get this kind of platform, I think you have an obligation to try to say what you believe is right. That's what's fashionable. Not what's comfortable. That's what is necessarily easy. And, you know, so for me, Pacquiao was the only guy fighting that night. For me, the other guy was surviving. We talked about surviving before. 100%. His commitment was to surviving. His commitment was was to getting through it, to getting paid, but not to winning. There was only one guy that you could see the sole purpose who was in there was to win. There was only one guy. If you saw anything different, I, you know what? I'd like you to go to an optometrist <laughs> You know, and and then after you do that, explain to me, once we know you got 2020s, right? <laughs> explain to me, really, I want to learn. No, I agree. Broner was fighting to not get knocked out, in my opinion. He looked like he didn't want to get embarrassed and just wanted to survive the fight and get out of there and complain about the, de- I mean, how he could complain about the decision. I mean, when Jim Gray asked him in the no, ring. No, you no, know, no. Threw- do you believe that? No, no, I don't. Wait, but No, no, do you, let me ask you, it's one, remember I said earlier that, Boxing, when they get it wrong, it could be one of two things. There's things in life where it could be a laundry list. It could, it could be a whole itemized column of, you know, choices. One, two, three, three A, four A. Uh, uh, but in some things, it could be only one or two. And in boxing, uh, with these bad decisions, it can only be incompetence or corruption. So when a guy says the things that sounded so delusional, I think that's a fair word, right? That that sounds hit the so, nail on the head, right? Out out of out of the norm, out out of just so extraordinary to hear under those circumstances after what he did. When a guy says that, for me, it can be only one of two things: it can be that he's just out and out lying. Well, people don't lie. People don't lie. 
I mean, see, that that's what kind of gets me. People say, oh, 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 how did he say that? Oh, my God, Teddy. Uh, 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 did you believe he said that? Uh, how could he How could he mean something? Uh, who said he meant it? Yeah. Oh, you never heard anyone lie before? That's why we have confessions, <laughs> right? <laughs> we... I, uh, so you, so he couldn't have been just lying, to because because he he can lie. Not only because lying, we, but we his behavior towards Jim Gray was like incredibly offensive. The guy's a professional yeah, fighter. He's asking you real questions. So you're going to tell him you're going to beat him seven times out of seven? Congratulations. Well, let me ask you something. So offensive. I get it. I, I, it's all part of the problem. Yeah. It's all part of it. What you're pointing out, and you're right. But it's all part of it. I mean, you know. Uh, at a certain point, like if you, if your car, if the engine ain't working, do you care that the brakes ain't working? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm with you. I mean, really, the the engine ain't working. Let's like say, hey, you know what? My brakes ain't working either. Well, your freaking engine ain't working. <laughs> I mean, who cares? What are the brakes going to be good for? There's no engine. So, you know, if if the rest of it is all messed up and broken with what we're talking about with this guy, uh, you think he cares about his manners? You think he's thinking about his manners? Listen, I said at the beginning of this topic that it was one of two things. It could either be he's lying or I said one of two things. What's the second one? Here's the second one. It could be in the realm of the word that I used earlier. Delusional, but here's 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 the kicker. What, when does something become delusional for someone else and real for somebody else? When does that happen? See, if people are saying, "Gee, Teddy, that's interesting. Teddy's being like a psychologist." Listen, let me tell you something. I'm not trying to be a psychologist. I don't have uh, one of those fancy things to put up on my wall that I went to got a degree, a PhD in those things. But you're in my business your whole life. You better know something about psychology. You better know a lot more than just X's and O's. You better know about something called human nature and how it works and why it works that way and what, what kind of pressures change that human nature. And influence that human nature. And I'm telling you that when does delusional for someone else become reality for someone else? I'll tell you when. When you have so many inhibitions and so many doubts about yourself and insecurities, which there's no doubt this kid has. Oh, tremendous. I mean, there's a reason why he behaves that way. Tremendous insecurity. So, so when you do that and you use things to hide and to cover it, right? At one point, you get to a point where you don't know. You put so many things up to block that stuff from coming through the door that you don't want coming through the door. At what point does something that is delusional for most people becomes real for someone else? Mm. When you put enough stuff up there, it's kind of like, Somebody to hide certain things they don't like about themselves puts makeup on. At what point does that person that uses all that makeup start to think that that person in the mirror is them? Yeah, yeah. Is them. And they forget that they use makeup to put it. it, it bec- that's them. Hmm. 
at what point does a person who's hiding from things, who's putting blocks up, who, who's trying to trying to close that door from leaking, from letting something in that they don't want to face, that they're not ready for, at what point do they change places and the place that they put themselves becomes the real place? At that point, you could give a polygraph to a kid and he'll pass. And he's lying. Yeah, yeah. And he's delusional. He'll pass the polygraph because he got to that new place. Mm-hmm. He got to that place that delusional for you became reality for him. He yeah. got to where he wanted to get to, that he believes. And I'll finish it with this. If his goal, if his desire, everything, his mission was based on surviving, he accomplished it. So in his mind, he won. Yeah. Because he accomplished what he wanted to accomplish. He survived and he got paid. He's slick in his world. He's slick. He has slicked you. Mm. He, he, he's the man. He, he's smarter than you. He got away with it. He did just what he wanted to do. He says it. He doesn't hide it. I give him credit for that. He's more honest than people think he is. He says, you fools out there. He says things like that. Yeah. You fools out there. I'm the guy who, who's making it. I'm the guy who's doing this. I'm, he's right. He's doing just what he wants to do. He survived. That's what he wanted to do. He wanted to survive. And in his mind, in his world, that's a win. He didn't lose. So you give him a polygraph right after that, and you say, say it again. You really <laughs> believe that you won? And boom, that, that line will go straight. Yeah. No, I agree with you. I, I, I do. I think he's lied to himself so so frequently that he believes this. But... Anyway, there's not much more to discuss there. Where's Tom Cruise when we need him? You can't handle the truth. You want the truth. All right. Well, more important and more entertaining than the Pacquiao fight was the fight. I want to get that up there. If I ask for anything, I try not to ask for too many things. I try not to ask for too many things. Really? Yeah. I I mean, I asked for a freaking burrito this morning, right? (laughs) That ain't that much. And Rob gave you a, uh, a wrap and some yogurt? No, he gave me a burrito. Oh, he did? Yeah. Oh, good man, Rob. Yeah, but <laughs> yeah, could we get up on the screen the the um, Tom Cruise and Jack Nicholson? One of the greatest <laughs> scenes. One of the greatest scenes. And I, you my our people, and I'm calling them our people because they're out there now, yeah. right? They're gonna be with us. Yeah. I I hope so. Yeah. Our people, they want to see this. Yeah, yeah. They want the truth. They can handle that. <laughs> they. I want to see that. What What was the name of that movie? Uh, few good men. Few good men. Few good men. There it is. Oh my goodness, it's coming. This is this is this is great. This is great. This is great. This this is for me. This is the highlight of our day, right here. <laughs> people, hopefully, people say this is a good podcast. Don't tell them that, good, Teddy. The highlights is, are coming. Stay oh, tuned well, in. This is, this Hang is with us. This is, no, this is one of them. <laughs> this is one of them. This is one of them. There he is, working on it here. All right. You know, with technology. See, I don't have to worry about that. I just got rid of my flip phone, like, uh, not too long ago. I got Didn't you just do friends. an endorsement deal with StarTech? No, Motorola StarTech? No, I'd like to do one. <laughs> I might have to get up to speed. Yeah, that Motorola. To, We've got one more sponsorship yeah. spot left for you. Okay. We're getting this. Hit me with We're the getting there. 
We're going to get it. How come Tom never gets old? Has that got something to do with the magic that goes on in that industry with uh, with um, knives and scalpels? And <laughs> Looks to be the case. Stuff. Your oh, oh, yeah. Recess. Oh. I can answer the question, Judge. I'm waiting. I love this. I love this. This is not surviving. This is taking a chance. That lawyer is not surviving. <laughs> He's being a lawyer. I want an answer. <laughs> <laughs> the truth. That is great. that is great. Thank you. That that is great. That was tremendous. And that is an example. See, it fit right in. Yeah, it fit right in. That's a perfect example of a guy in his particular workplace. In this case, a lawyer, really being a lawyer. Yeah. He he got to a place where he was he had resistance, where he had ad- adversity, he had danger. You know, if he goes there, he could lose his license. Mm-hmm. He had all those things and he went there. He was a real lawyer. He wasn't surviving. He was being a pro. And you know, we we kid and we we play around with it and we have fun with it and that was entertaining I think to the people out there. I hope um, I know it was to me, but I know my kids loved it because they loved that scene. Mm-hmm. But that's that's what we're talking about, connecting the dots in life. Yeah. Uh, you know, touching on all kinds of things through boxing, mm-hmm. through the reality and the truth of what boxing is. Yeah. And one thing that I wanted to point out, though, with regards to Broner versus how a fight should be promoted, I think that in his mind he probably thinks that he needs to act – the fool and and pull these kind of shenanigans to promote the fight. But what I thought was a perfect example of promotion that was almost like started out with a little bit of feigned aggression and anger as the Fury Wilder. I think those guys promoted a good fight. If you saw at the beginning, like in the early stages of the promotion, they're laughing and kind of they're in on it. They're like, Hey, we're going to do good business together. It was, it was, it was nice. It was good. It was fun. It was friendly. Yep. It it was, it was um, respectful respectful it, it was entertaining it, yeah it was you know it was family fun so yeah to speak. yeah exactly in a tough business i get it I, I i get it maybe some people don't you know have their kids staying up late and watching a fight i don't know but but i mean it was it was all within that realm of of what we think is should be and is yeah, allowable exactly. and 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 is positive maybe that's the right word but um the other stuff, the negative to it, I don't think we need it. Yeah. Uh, listen, Ali, nobody was a better guy at promoting fights than Ali, right? Yep. I mean, you brought up a good point now, so I'm going to piggyback off it, that, that he was, maybe Broner was doing his job. Okay, I, I'm going to I'm gonna go down that road. I'm going to give you that. I, I said, I said, to clarify, I think he thinks he's doing yeah, his job, yeah, but I think he took exactly. it way too far. But that's what I'm saying. Yeah. You know, it's about taste. It's about yeah. the, all those things. But And the advice of where you should go. If, whether he's getting that advice or not. But um, I think that 
Ali was the greatest, one of the greatest showmen of all time, if not the greatest. And, you know, he, he did it. And listen, he might have went too far with the trill in Manila. Yeah. Um, with the, with the trill in Manila, with, um, this, I don't have a flip phone anymore. I have a <laughs> intelligent phone, but it's not intelligent <laughs> enough not to know when not to ring. All right? It so, doesn't ring when so, you turn it off. So don't argue with me <laughs> no more. When, when you say, oh, you're a caveman, Teddy. You should get up to the 21st century. No, no, no. I know what the frick I'm doing, <laughs> I think. So, so now the thing is Ali got to a tough place in the drill in Manila with some of the things, the disparaging things that he said with Joe Frazier and stuff. And I think he went to a place he shouldn't have went to, some of it. But that aside, Ali knew where to go. And, and but more importantly, he backed it up. Yeah. See, that's the thing. That's right. You could go and be Barnum and Bailey, but there better be elephants in that freaking tent. <laughs> you know what I mean? Or at least some monkeys. There better be some freaking elephants in that tent. Yeah. You know what I mean? And and that's the problem. Brona, you know, he does that and there's no elephants in the that's tent. That's right. <laughs> that, that, that's, a, that's a big deal. Yeah. But those guys did a great job. And, and I mean, I, I have a whole, a whole newfound respect for Fury. I wasn't a huge fan before this fight, but I thought he did a great job promoting the fight. I thought his story was compelling. And I thought he fought hard. And he, and he got up off the deck and he looked real good. But what I really want to get to is this um, the undercard on the Pacquiao-Broner fight. And I'm sure you have some thoughts on this one, Marcus Brown and Badu Jack. This was, I mean, going into this fight, Badu Jack was on a winning streak. Obviously, Marcus Brown's never lost, so he's coming in strong, but he's had some difficulties outside of the ring. But I, th I honestly, I thought Badu Jack was going to run through him. And, um, I mean, credit to Marcus Brown. He fought a killer fight. We had the headbutt. Then he punched it open even further. I mean, there was just a lot of drama in this fight. Fantastic from start to finish. Before we get into some of the comments after the fight, I'd love to hear what you thought about the fight in general. I thought Marcus Brown, uh, this was his coming out fight. Yeah. Everyone has one. And uh, he came out brilliantly. He came out and uh, maybe you could say that if you know the things I'm supposed to know about this sport, um, maybe you could say this was the fight where he found himself, mm. where he completely found himself. The Marcus Brown that people that had hope for him that, that were – behind him that were always thinking good things of him, uh, that saw what they thought they saw or hoping that one day they would see in the ring, that it would all come together, that that night it came together for him, that that it, he showed maturity. Uh, he grew up as a fighter in, in all the ways that you try to grow up as a fighter in that ring. It's a process. It's a process to get there. You know, it doesn't, you don't get there in one leap and one bound. Uh, and it takes time. If you get there, mm. and he got there, mm. and uh, and I thought he was, I I think he's one of the most talented guys out there, as far as when you look at what talent is, you look at power, either hand, uh, you you look at you know physical ability as far as physical attributes like speed and uh, and technique even mixed in where you know how to fight, where you know how to fight inside and outside, you know what you're doing. You put on top of it that he's a southpaw. You put size 
just the physical attributes that you have or you don't have. He's got size. He's got physical strength. I mean, he's got all those things. And he put it all together. Mm. He put it all together that night. Um, and I give him, I'm happy for him. I give him credit for that. Uh, he comes from one of the gyms that, that the Dr. Atlas Foundation, my foundation, we haven't had time to talk about. We'll talk about it some other time, but, uh, my foundation has funded for the last nine, 10 years. And, um, he comes from one of those gyms and, um, I, I felt good to see a kid accomplish what he accomplished. Mm. To coming from not not only because he came from our gyms, but that that he was that I know him, and I always felt like a lot of people felt like I thought that he was capable of doing really special things, and then to see it happen, mm. I was happy. And what'd you think about the cut when the uh, when he hit him with the uppercut? I think in the, maybe the ninth round when it really split open, and for a split second they both stopped and looked at each other like, "Oh, damn! Are, are we supposed to keep fighting?" As blood was almost spraying out of his face. What'd you make of that? And like, wh- what did you think of the non-stoppage? Um, well, I mean, listen. First of all, uh, let me be let me be a commentator for what I would have been if I was the commentator that yeah, night. Yeah. Let me go and take that seat. Sure. Uh, for a second. I would have, first of all, I would have tried to never this, uh, again, Rob doing a great job, our producer here, doing a great job of, we talk about it, you ask for it, and boom, you get it. And, you know, doing something that I could never do, um, actually run a computer. But, <laughs> you know, the thing is that um, if I was sitting in that seat that night, I would have tried to deal with the things that I think as a commentator, the people are wondering in their mind mm. that maybe I can deal with that. I think is part of my responsibility as a commentator to answer that question Yeah, because without it being told to me that that's the question, just to know obviously what they might be asking. So one of the things that I would have dealt with was they might've been asking is the cut man doing a good job? Mm. Because you could look at it and say he did a horrible job. So the first thing I would say is he didn't do the greatest job I've ever seen. But I would have, I would have qualified that. I would have qualified that with also saying that the cuts that we think of as dangerous cuts, as bad cuts, as cut stopping fights are around the eyes, yeah. because of some obvious not and some not obvious reasons. But some of the obvious reasons because. It could do future damage if it's around yeah. the eye. They could be the middle of your forehead. You don't care so much about it. Right. It's not doing future damage as far as being able to see and things like that. So that's one of the things taken into consideration. Also, it runs directly into your eye. Yeah. This this got into your eyes too. Don't get me wrong, but it was in the middle of the head. Little different was dispersed in different areas, different places. It didn't flow like a waterfall right over your eye. Yeah. So so that's part of it. And so it was in a place where it's not as dangerous for for future competition and for his life in that kind of way. Um, so a lot of people think, well, that should have been easier to handle than than a one around the eye. Because and it, it wasn't handled; it continued to bleed. Well, the one thing that people should understand is when it is in that area, it pumps. Yeah. See, that's the thing as a commentator that I would have tried to give to people that night. I would have said, you have to understand that 
you know, and I, and, I, and my father was a doctor, mm-hmm. so maybe that helps. I don't know, but I I would have said, you know, yeah, it's not around the eye where we think of as the most dangerous area to be, where it would possibly stop a fight and have future consequences. But I tell you, people now, it's in a spot where it's going to pump. Mm. And so then it's a matter of the cup man being able to stop that. And that's more difficult to stop. But the one thing I didn't see, and if I'm wrong, I'm wrong, but I saw him put a swab and I would explain to the public what a cup man's doing. Mm. He's, he's using anticoagulants, uh, medicines, medications to stop the bleeding. Now, pressure, clean it up, put pressure on it. And what's in that swab? Adrenaline. Yeah. Adrenaline is in that swab. Now, I, and then what do you do? Well, then you can put cold grease over it to try to keep the adrenaline in place. Grease so it Vaseline. has time to work. Yeah, cold grease, Vaseline. Now, what I didn't see used is that good cut men, when it's a deep cut, you go to something called Avatine. Avatine, you've seen it if you're a fight fan out there, where it's a cottony, cotton-looking, cottony-looking substance that that is white, and you see it used sometimes in fights. Like packed into a wide cut. Yeah. yeah. Now, that's used for a deep, but that's used in surgery. Mm. Now, that the cut men will use to have that available if it's a deep cut. And then what you do is you use the adrenaline, you stop the bleeding, you use pressure, and then you pack that in mm-hmm. to, to stop it. And then if another thing you can use is something called thrombin. Mm-hmm. So you got thrombin, you got avatine, you got adrenaline. You got those drinks. I only saw adrenaline. And if I missed it, yeah. I'll be the first one to back up. But maybe I missed it. But I don't know if I missed it. I didn't see Avatine. Avatine is is something that you got to go and purchase yeah. it. It's more expensive, and and it's uh, again, it's something that's used for deeper cuts. I didn't see that. And again, would anyone else be talking about that? No, they're not. They're not going to go into those. They're not. I, you know. Uh, but I think that's part. That becomes part of the story mm-hmm. because he bled all night, right? And everyone yeah. talked about it, and it did obstruct some of his concentration, if you will. You know, if not his vision to a certain degree. But uh, listen, he behaved like a fighter. Uh, you know, he, he continued. Uh, Moving forward, trying to do and accomplish what he went there to accomplish was was to win the fight, uh, and there's there you can see the uh, the after effects of that cut. That's a good uh, like six. What do you say? Uh, like six, seven inches. Uh, that's a big cut. That's a lot of stitches. I don't recall ever seeing a fight that big during uh, a fight. Yeah, that's I- a big. I mean, that's listen. That's a. I didn't think the cut was that long. Yeah. Uh, when we saw it, mm. you know, happening, but that that's a big cut. And listen, at the end of the day, again, uh, all credit to him. You know, unfortunately, be he was in that situation, uh, Jack, But all credit to the way he continued to yeah. try to win that fight and behave like a fight all night long. And all credit to Marcus Brown uh, for doing what he needed to do. Uh, what was there to be done and for getting it done. I don't know if you saw the comments. Uh, there was some controversial comments in the uh, corner of Badu Jack at one point. I think his trainer is uh, Lou Duval. Former light heavyweight champion yeah. of the world, by the way. Yeah, yeah. And he said to him, uh, all right, we're, we're behind. Something to the effect of, I'm going to not get the wording exactly right, we're, uh, we're behind. I need you to go out there and be Mike Tyson or pull a Mike Tyson, meaning – Go out there and swing for the fences, I'm assuming. But there was a, a lot of, uh, boxing pundits viewed it as controversial at his advice. Just go out there and like swing for the fences. I'm assuming that's what he meant. But you have any opinion on that? 
No, listen, no, I'm, no not, in a, I'm not in any kind of negative way because at that point he needed to be uh, swinging for the fences. He needed yeah. a home run. Yeah. No, <laughs> he needed a knockout punch. And if that's, you know, if that's the connection he uses, the analogy, you know, the vision he wanted to give his fighter was Tyson, yeah. I could understand why he would come up with that vision. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was, uh, you know what? It was. It was panic time. It was urgent time. It was mm. critical time. It was DEFCOM three time. <laughs> you know, it was yeah. time to, to, if you had any missiles in the silo, it was time to let them go. Yeah. You know? I agree with you. I was just surprised that people thought that was controversial, but, you know, anything to get a story, I guess. And then that brings us to the comments after the fight. And I know this is a sensitive subject for you, so I want to uh, give you a chance to say what, what give you a response. But obviously, everyone saw after the fight, Marcus Brown got on the microphone and wanted to call you out and call out Alex. And um, again, I know this is very sensitive to you and it's not something you're comfortable with, but obviously. Hey, if we're going to do this know, thing, we're not going to hide from things. Right? That's Let's do it. So what was your takeaway? What do you think? I'll leave it with you. Yeah. No, listen. Um, um, congratulations to Marcus Brown. And, uh, you know, <laughs> congratulations to him. Sometimes uh, in the heat of a moment, uh, we say things. I'm I'm happy for the kid. Um, I'm proud that he, you know, that he came out of our gym and that that our gyms could help in the way that we've helped other kids too, many other kids, uh, and and help him uh, to in the way that we were able to with all the other help he got from his coaches, from everybody else, but to be able to help him get to what he wanted to get to, to accomplish what he wanted to accomplish and he's worked so hard to accomplish. Uh, I'll leave it at that. You know, uh, congratulations. Congratulations. Very good. So let's talk about um, your fighter now, Alex Vodich, and uh, obviously had the big win against um, Adonis Stevenson and What's next for him? What's next for you guys, for the two of you? And what's on the horizon? March 30th, uh, his first title defense on ESPN. And um, we we don't have, uh, we're not sure about an opponent. We we should have an opponent today. Um, and I thought we had an opponent, to be honest with you already, but it turns out we didn't. Uh, for whatever reason, the, the opponent has not been solidified yet. But hopefully we'll have one by today, and that'll be his first title defense. It'll be March 30th, and I don't know if I'm leaving a letting a cat out of the bag with any secret. I don't think it's anything bad. If I am, I don't know if it's been announced yet, but it's probably going to be in Philadelphia, and which is nice that it'll be on the East Coast. I'll be going to training camp for an eight-week training camp uh, next week, uh, uh February 2nd, I'll be leaving to go to Oxnard, California, just like I did for the when we won the title for eight weeks in camp and, you know, helping prepare uh, for for that title defense and um, do everything we need to do, you know, during that eight weeks. And I'm, I'm very, uh, very proud of Alex, very proud of what he did to win the fight, how he was able to fight the fight that he did with such a such an experienced dangerous champion um and again we pray that Stevenson gets better 
that's on our minds. It's been on our minds. Um, and we're, you know, again, we, we, we will go forward, defend the title. Uh, and I'm, I'm, I'm happy that Alice gave me a reason, uh, to come back to teach because my kids reminded me, my kids reminded me that teaching, I'm, I'm pretty, I, I teach and teaching is a privilege and you can't have that privilege forever. Uh, mm -hmm. The clock does run out. And if you're given that privilege, it's a privilege, given that opportunity to teach and in so doing, you can help somebody else through your teaching and help yourself. It's not a one-way street, you know. People don't say, oh, yeah, Teddy, it's not like you're not getting it. No, I, I'm well aware of it. I'm well aware that I'm, me and my family are getting things out of it um, if we're successful. And But I'm aware of the blessing that it is, the privilege that it is to be able to have an opportunity. And I also understand the responsibility. And that's where it's tough for me to be, you know, completely candid, to go away for eight weeks because you have a fighter, in this case it's Alex, where he trusts you. He puts his full trust in you. And you, that that trust, it, it hangs over your head every day in camp. I feel it every day. Mm. You know, listen. I can I'm, imagine. I'm, I'm, you know, we're compensated well for it and everything else. So I understand it's not a crying party here for for pity party. I'm just being completely you know, candid, that, yeah, it's, I feel that's why I'm reserved about saying yes. I'm, I'm hesitant. I'm scared about saying yes to training a fighter because I don't want to fail that responsibility, you know, that trust, to fail that trust that you're given. And um, so, and you, you know, you go to camp, you do what you got to do, and you hope that, Again, you can fulfill that responsibility and, and live up to that trust uh, that, that a kid gives you. Yeah, I would imagine that's very emotional, especially when highlighted by the fact of what happened in the Stevenson fight. Because it's not just – this isn't just a – hangs over you, you know? Yeah, this isn't just a sport like a, a sporting event or like a running or tennis where you're going to play, you know – the kind of injuries you're going to get in boxing, you're probably not going to get in any, any other sports. Well, you have football, the, football, so you, that's, that's exactly. football. So you have the element of preparing him and guiding his career and a doing race right car by driving. Him. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's – but I just want to, you know, I, I, I want to put the proper perspective and out there that it's not just boxing. Yeah. And, and But there's no getting around it. Mm. Boxing can be <laughs> – it can be a dangerous sport. Yeah. And, and – um. You know, just like football, just like the other things that we talked about. Mm -hmm. um, but, uh, and there's a responsibility uh, to that you have in your hands when you take on the position of training somebody. Mm -hmm. it's, a, it's a serious responsibility. Yeah. So you're heading out there on February 2nd. Before we move on to future fights, I want to get your uh, prediction on the Super Bowl. I assume you're... Uh Big Patriots fan. <laughs> and listen, I'm I'm a fan of excellence, and Bill Belichick and Brady are excellent. And um, 
I, I'm not afraid to say that. A lot, there's a lot of haters out there. Oh, my God, they're back in the... Not in this uh, room. But, <laughs> but I, I heard them. I heard them yeah, last yeah. weekend. The oh, people yeah. saying, oh, please, not the Patriots again. But can we can we appreciate excellence? Can we really? Can we appreciate how hard it is to get back there, how hard it is to make a world champion in the ring, how hard it is to get there for everything to come together, how hard it was for... You know, kids like Marcus Brown, we talked about to get there to a title, mm-hmm. to what that it means to to accomplish that. Uh, can, can we appreciate, you know, all the things you don't see behind the curtain, you know, behind the TV set that you don't see that's going on? All the years that were put in just to to learn enough to be in a position where then you could be that kind of coach like Belichick. Mm-hmm. What he had to go through to get to that place, what Brady had to go through, you know. To get to that place, uh, and and to be able to 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 retain a level of consistency like that, what that takes, uh, the the discipline with with the success, how how to hold the door closed with the success, to let we think of success as good things. It could be negative things. It could be rough things. It could be things that that deteriorate you, that take you, unravel everything for you, that then now you're making that money, now you're at that different stratosphere of life, if you will, and and all those things, and to handle all those things, that was one of the things I thought was so great about Michael Jordan, is how he handled all of that fame, and and and, and LeBron James, for that matter, but I, I'm, I was more a Michael Jordan guy, you know, mm. it was more during my time, when he handled all the success, the things that come with success, the 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 monetary things you know all all those things uh you know all those and and obviously the adulation that he had the fame everything else and every year you got the feeling and there was no other feeling you could have when you watched him get out on that court for a new season that this was the only season that mattered how how many people could do that <laughs> when they've accomplished so much that you could get the feeling that's the only season that matters for this guy is what he's doing now and he got ready during the off season when other people might have been on their yachts the whole time <laughs> you know and and he got ready because he wanted to continue to be the greatest and and to see that like every time he was just as competitive as though he was fighting for a, a spot on the roster mm. uh, that's extraordinary yeah and and to see those qualities not just the jumping ability not just the tongue wagging uh, <laughs> you know hanging out and all those things that are easy to see and to connect with but to to see to see that to try to see that to appreciate that that's what I appreciate when I see a Brady and a Belichick at this point in their life. Mm. And so for me, I'm going to, you know, I'll look at this game and I'll say, how much longer can we watch and be able to enjoy a Brady? Because he is 40, 41, you know, so I'll look at it with that appreciation too. How much longer can we watch a guy like with all the characteristics and traits that I just described Mm. that not everybody embraces, right? They're out there to be embraced, but not everyone has the discipline, the wherewithal, the the character, whatever you want to call it, to to make that choice. So I'll, I'll look at that game in that way and Belichick to see him there, you know, and, um, 
you could also say that the Rams, you, you could look at the other side of the, you know, the ticket and say that the Rams were fortunate to be there. Mm-hmm. You know, that there was a non-call. But but before people get too crazy, and I agree, I agree. If we have all this technology, we have the ability to hold games up sometimes longer than we should hold freaking games up to to get calls right. Why couldn't we take five seconds, two seconds, because that's all it would have taken, to call down to the field and say, guys, you got it wrong. Yeah. Guys, guys, you missed something, guys. Yeah. Guys. We we need to well you know what I mean. I would imagine they'll address that in the off season yeah, because I'm, that's too much of a game changer. You're talking about going to the Super Bowl and uh, yeah. that was egregious. I mean yeah, that was a missed yeah. call. So, but having said that, it wasn't automatic that they were going to win if they got that call either. Oh, exactly. They still had to cross the finish line. If the defensive back <laughs> looked back, he could have been going the other way for six. Yeah. yeah. So but a lot I'm of saying, things could have happened. No, but it was no, a but even penalty. if that call was called, yeah, they still had to yeah, win exactly. the game. They yeah. still had to get in that's the end zone. Right. They still had to finish the game. Agreed. So, um. So a lot of people say, well, they don't belong there. But no, they, uh, they're they there. Yeah. And and uh, we don't know other than they're there. So, you know, at the end of the day, it's kind of hard to go against what I just described mm. uh, in the terms, you know, you can see and you can hear the way with with the respect I have for the those two guys that run the Patriots. Uh, it's hard to go against those when you ask me to make a pick. Mm. But I'll go against it, and I'll take the Rams. Mm. Because I think there comes a time when the baton has to be handed to someone else. And I feel like the, they've been saying that about the Patriots for the no, last, like, three or four but, years. But when the baton, I know, you're right. You're not wrong. You patriot lover. <laughs> well, the other you, thing, you patriot lover. The you. other thing before you give your pick that I want to point out that's that's uh, relevant to an earlier topic is um, learning how to win, and I think that that's a real intangible element of this game where Jared Goff, very young kid for a Super Bowl for the majority of those guys. And the Patriots probably have, you know, well, uh, most of the guys played in the game last year, but But I mean, they they probably have guys that have four or five Super Bowls. It comes a day that you learn. Yeah, yeah. That might be the day he learns. That's right. You know, and and I'm going to say that what more fitting, if you believe in such things, to be fitting to to, to kind of, you know, finish the show the right way, what more fitting than if there is time for the throne to be, you know, changed, so to speak, for it to happen with a young quarterback. Yeah. That we're talking about a great quarterback, right? That's leading this whole thing. Sometimes the Super Bowl champs are not led by a great quarterback. That's Sometimes right. it's a combination of defense, right? Mm-hmm. Like like the uh it was the what was it? The they were, were they the Baltimore Ravens back then? Yeah. Uh was it or did were they the other name? I think it was the Ravens back yeah, then. Yeah, Baltimore Ravens, yeah, Ray Lewis. And, yeah, and then Tampa Bay, yeah. uh Buccaneers with their defense. So sometimes it's the defense, it's not necessarily the quarterback that it's attached to. But in this case, obviously it's attached to the quarterback, Tom Brady. And so and and the coach. So what more fitting? See, I look at things the way I look at things. Yeah. I look at it like what more fitting for, to write off in a Hollywood script than if you're going to make the switch, if you're going to make the pass of the baton to make it to a team that's got the young quarterback and a young coach. Mm. Oh, the young coach. He's a young guy. Right? Man, that is crazy. Right? That is – yeah, he's he's really young kid. Um well, the Rams also have a superstar on defense in Donald. I mean, that guy is a, yeah, he he's is. a world beater. Yeah, he is. 
Um, to wrap up, are there any fights on the horizon that got you particularly excited? Maybe this, uh, I know I'm excited to see the Canelo and, uh, Danny Jacobs fight. And I know people will say, oh, Danny Jacobs gave Triple G a tough time. But as you know, styles make fights. I'm just curious to get your take on this. You think that Canelo's going to run through him or you think Danny's going to fight, like put up a real fight? Danny always puts up a real fight. Yeah. I mean, I try to put up a real fight. And he's a, he's a real, you know, top level middleweight. Well, sorry. Uh, what well, to be clear? I didn't mean to. Is he yeah, going to no, put up no, a good fight? But no, do you no, think no, it'll I be understand. a competitive battle? Listen, yes. But to but to what point? Yeah. You know, to what point? I think in the end that Canelo will get an opportunity to hurt him to the body or to mm. the head. You know, uh, and and it'll come down to what, how, how the chin of Jacobs can hold up against the pressure, and what will be the power. Uh, of Canelo, the aggression, the power, and obviously I talked about the body work, uh, which he showed good body work in the Golovkin fight. Yeah. He's a good body puncher. Um, because if, see, I'm talking about the chin of Jacobs, how to hold up. Yeah. Really what I should say to be consistent with where I come from, with, with my beliefs and my background as a trainer, it should be, can Danny's boxing skills, defense, and all the things that are part of being a good boxer and a top boxer and part of the sweet science, as I like to say, what I should say is, will those things be able to show themselves to a level where he doesn't allow Canelo to test his chin? Mm. See, that's how I should say it as a trainer. And so all of that I'll be looking at and I think is part of the expectation for me of what I look when I look at this fight and I forecast this fight. Um, and I think that at the end of the day, Canelo will probably find a way with his pressure, body work. See, one of the ways that you can take away some of the defensive abilities, if you will, of a Jacobs who will want to slip the punches, who will want to avoid the punches, who will want to use his legs to change the distance to avoid some of those things offensively that Canelo brings to the dance. But part of the ways to to make sure and counter that ability, or that defensive ability to get away from punches is to go to the body. Mm. And Canelo has that ability yeah. to go to the body and get Danny to stay there more, to to paralyze him, to to stop that that head movement a little bit. And I think that all will play into me saying Canelo will wind up finding, getting his way and being able to win the fight. But I think it's a competitive fight. Uh, I think Danny is one of the top guys there, middleweight. And he's a full-fledged middleweight. Now and Canelo moved up from a lighter weight class, yeah. you know, originally Welter and then of course Junior Middle and now Middle. And I would also say that it's about time, even though it's only the second fight of the deal, it's about freaking time that Canelo earned some of his money that was given to him by DAZN. You give yeah. somebody $300 million, is that what it was? Something I think like it was that. three something, three plus, 300 plus million dollars you give for, for a fight deal, for a package of fights. Mm. And you, the first one out of the gate, they give you a guy that's going to stand there, put the earmuffs on, and let you hit him with a left hook in the liver. Yeah. And then you're, you're going to go, that's about $30 million a minute. Mm. Uh, you know what? That's, that's a little overpaid. Mm. I don't, as crazy as it is in two 
2019 with with some of the things out there in the world with, with where we pay for things that that's that's maybe a Maybe a little overpaid. That that you able to hit a guy a lift, took it a lift, and you go home and you get uh, you get part of your three hundred million for that. So yeah, I think that they needed off of that. They needed to put an authentic, legitimate challenge in front of Canelo, and they came up with that authentic, legitimate challenge in the name of Danny Jacobs. You think he gets another shot against Triple G? I think Triple G has got to start thinking about. And probably thinking about he's made a lot of money, um, but he, there's a lot of miles on that old Domino too. Mm. He had 400 amateur fights. That's he not takes forget some punches that. too. Let's not forget yeah. that 400 amateur fights and um, silver medalist. And this is a guy you know who's what 37, yeah. 38, whatever he is. He's been around. Um, I think I don't think he's going to get better when it comes to to that combination. When it comes to that dance. You know, when it comes to that matchup with him and Canelo, he ain't getting better. The 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 the, the horse has left the barn. Yeah, the horse has left the barn. You know, the best of him is gone. Did did he get robbed the first time? I thought so. Did he get a bad decision? I thought the second. I thought so. Yeah. I did. I what they don't count jabs no more. Mm. But uh, I'm not gonna go deeper than that yeah. right now. But I think that he's he is eroding. He being Golovkin has been dissipating and sliding right in front of us. Mm. And the best of them is, like I said, the horse is out of the barn. Yeah. And so when you ask me that question, I don't know that it's in his best interest to have another fight. He's made enough money. I think you've seen the best of them. I think you see erosion. You see sliding. Mm -hmm. What's wrong with getting out at the right time? Is that a curse? Is that a bad, is is that like a foul language word? The get out at the right time? Is that a knock? There's a lot of uh, haters out there. Oh, Johnny, you're not good. Uh, Because I've been told that there's haters out there. I've (laughs) I've been told. Uh, Oh, uh, the people that love Goliath. Oh, you're knocking Goliath. No, no, I'm not. No, I'm talking truth to a business that I understand as that it takes a lot out of you. Yeah. And there comes a time. There comes a time to look for the door. Yeah. Terrence Crawford fight, I know they're promoting this and they're both big names, but I can't imagine a scenario in which Crawford doesn't run right through him. I mean, Amir Khan has suffered a couple big, uh, at least one big knockout and uh, against Canelo, and Terrence Crawford just looks to be unbeatable to me. What do you think? Amir Khan... I think you said it. Amir Khan comes up short in the big ones. You know, he comes up short in the big ones. And and with a parting way, you know, I can't part without insulting somebody out there. You know, I mean, it's it's the, I don't know. It's, I don't I, think that's insult. I, I think that that's no, accurate. No, 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 no. But I'm going to go another step further and I will probably insult a few people. But De La Hoya was that way. The golden boy, he could never win really the big one. Yeah. Every time he was in that position for the big one, whether it was Trinidad, whether it was Mosley, whether uh, whatever that big one, whatever Hopkins. that Hopkins, yeah, Hopkins might have been just too big for him. But yeah, whatever the big one was, um, he would come up short, you know. And I, I think, I think that uh, to a certain extent, 
You can say that about Khan, that that he's made a lot of money. He's from England where you can make more money if you're a fighter in London than you can in the United States mm-hmm. to a certain extent mm-hmm. because there's there's less – we talked about it earlier in yeah. the podcast. There's there's less competition of other things. You you become a star there. You get paid really big. Mm-hmm. Over here, you know, it's very tough because you got the other sports. You got the other – uh, options to watch, uh, to compete against with the LeBron James, and you go right down the line of what I said earlier uh, in the day in the podcast. But he comes up short, Khan, and his chin comes up short mm-hmm. uh, in the big ones. And but he makes money. Yeah. If that's success, then he's one of the most successful guys of all time mm-hmm. because because he finds a way. He's a good manager too. Mm-hmm. You know, he's a he's a not just a, knows how to fight, but he won a silver medal in the Olympics. But he not only knows how to fight, but he knows how to get himself into position, how to get a big fight. He's done it. He did it with Canelo. He got paid. You know, he got knocked out, but he got paid and he did it here again. Mm-hmm. He made himself relevant where he, he really shouldn't have been relevant. Yeah, I agree. But 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 he but again he maneuvered, he, he navigated, he manipulated, and and he got himself in that position to make money, and he's going to do it again. Uh, at the end of the day, what does he bring to the table? Well, he he's a guy that's got good hand speed. He's, he's got a good right hand. Con being he, of course, who I'm talking about. He's got a good right hand. Um, he controls range fairly well. Uh, until the points where guys get too close and they hit him on the chin. Mm. But but to a certain degree, that's his game. He tries to control range pretty well. And um, and he, you know, he, he's able, like I said, he can bang, he can pop with the right hand. Uh, he's got experience, of course. So there is something to deal with there. You know, there is something to deal with. Uh, but I happen to think that Crawford is special and and he will deal with it. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of other big fights on the uh, horizon, but I want to save some of this stuff until the next show. Um, our goal is going to be to have a podcast twice a month, every other week, hopefully. Uh, we're going to do the next one from um, training camp out in California. And um, if you like the show, please make sure you uh, subscribe to the YouTube channel. Check out the podcast. Give us a review. Subscribe, etc., etc. We'll be back in a couple of weeks. We're going to be recording from, uh, like I said, the training camp in um, Oxnard, California. And um, Teddy, before we go, maybe you can tell me a little bit about what do you have in plan? What do you have planned for Alex in training camp? Anything out of the ordinary? And um, assuming he gets through this next fight. I would imagine a unification fight is on the horizon. And who would you like to see ultimately um, for the unification shot? I don't let myself or my fighter think about those things. So there's only one thing that matters right now. Any fighter, you know, worth his salt, any trainer worth his salt, and there's plenty of them out there that are worth their salts um, in this business. Uh, they know what I'm talking about. There's nothing that exists except March 30th. Mm-hmm. Nothing, nothing, nothing. I don't want to trip up. Uh, this is a business, uh, anything you can trip up in life. Uh, this is a business when you trip up, the fall hurts more. Mm-hmm. The fall hurts a lot. So um, we're, we're, our concentration, our full concentration and respect uh, will be to who we have to fight, whoever that is, on the 30th of March on ESPN uh, for that title defense. And as far as what we'll be doing in camp, we'll be doing what we're, what I think is my obligation, my responsibility uh, my teaching to do, um, my 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 whole upbringing in this business to do, what my kids told me about to co- about coming back, I'll be teaching, I'll be taking the foundation that that has been formed by winning the title 
and trying to add to that, trying to add floors to this this house that Alex built and, and see if we can add a second and a third and a fourth floor and maybe a penthouse up there, <laughs> you know, with a nice view. Uh, it's about teaching. You know what teaching is? It's about building. And so it'll be about, again, uh, taking what Alex has accomplished in winning this title and adding to it, getting back to the drawing board, get back in the place where you're, you're away from all the negative stuff, from the people talking, from the TV, from the, from, from all of that banter, from the hate, from, from all the distractions, from all the things I don't like about this business. I'm not afraid to say that, that I don't like about that I left this business because of quite frankly, but you're away from all of that, the sniping, the attacking, the, the jealousy, the, or that, all this freaking crap, you're away from it. And you're in a quiet gym with a fighter who wants to learn. Oh my God. That's when it's good. Oh my God. That's when it's great. And he, and you can just teach him and you can add something to something that he already has. And, and you can, you can say, let's try to get here. Let's try to even get better. Let's try to be the best we can be. Let's be special. And I'll be trying to do that uh, with a special kid who uh, who gives me the ability to try to do that. And um, and at the end of the day, you can't ask. You know, again, you can't ask for more than that. When when you when you have the privilege of being able to do something that you enjoy doing and uh, and you have the cooperation of somebody and the trust of somebody. And I'll still be feeling what I told you earlier. I'll be hoping that every day I don't fail that trust. But I will always be very, very cognizant of the gift that I'm given of, of the, the blessing that it is to have this opportunity. Yeah. Cool. Well, we'll wrap it up there. And like I said, we'll be back in probably two weeks and we have a, we'll have a lot more to discuss. And um, yeah, any comments, feedback, please feel free to leave us a note and um, look forward to being back with you, Teddy. Thanks. No, it's, it's nice. I hope everybody enjoyed it. You know, you guys out there, you want the truth, don't you? <laughs> don't you? <laughs> we came to the right place. 